Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Streetside Brewery. Located in historic Columbia, Tusculum, Streetside Brewery is the perfect mix of local watering hole and modern craft beer brewery. They have 24 beers on tap, and I am happy to attest that I have yet to have a bad beer from these guys. On Tuesday nights, they have pint nights with limited edition glassware, and they actually will take a dollar off your refills all night. And also, you can catch their next Premier League morning on February 4th when Arsenal takes on Liverpool. That's at 11.30 a.m. And just for listeners of the postcast, if you mention the postcast at the bar, they are going to take a buck off of your beer and you let them know that we sent you their way. Find them at 4003 Eastern Avenue or in the fridge of wherever you're picking up your next beer. So again, a huge thank you to Streetside Brewery for sponsoring the postcast. And on this episode of the postcast, we have such a full, full episode for you. It's insane to think, given the length of these things, that there are topics that we didn't actually get to in this one. Uh, in part one, we're talking Brandon Vasquez and Yerson Mosquera's next adventures, Barial's transfer updates, what is going to be happening this final week of January. There was a preseason match, FC Cincinnati and Austin. Duke it out. What happened there? Who was that mystery trialist? Then in part two, we have Bengals writer for The Athletic, Paul Daner, on. He is an awesome, awesome conversation. I really, really think you're going to enjoy this. We talk a little sports journalism, Bengals. We go all over the place with this one. It was a super, super fun conversation. We wrap it up with a great question that came from our Discord. Put it all together. You got yourself a postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, joined by Grayson, joined by Chief, once again in person. Gentlemen, this is the third time we've recorded in person. Do we like it? I think I'm going to have to start charging you guys rent for using my office. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, we have Patreon money now, so we could... Just turn around and pay you directly through all of this. Uh, Grayson, how, how do you enjoy the dynamic of the live in-person versus via Zoom? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I like it. It's a little harder for me to for me to go get a go get a refill on my drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, we're going to have to fix that if we keep doing this. I do get like a little mini fridge in here. I was yeah. just about to say, I have a mini fridge I can loan to your oh, office. Be down there. We're fine. I just got to stock up a little bit here. We're we're still in the process of building the space out a little. Gotcha. Um, I mean, it's it's the it's early morning, so yeah. you know, like a mimosa would not be terrible right now. Yeah. <laughs> little a couple of chilled drinks ready to go. I I really wanted to bring in some street side brewery in honor ah, of our newest sponsors ah. to crack a can. This felt a little, little not time appropriate for that move. A little aggressive. <laughs> no, I, I reject society and putting rules on when exactly I can crack a beer and I can have alcohol. I we should have this. had a beer, Mosa. 
I've had a beer mosa. Yeah, a bro mosa. A bro mosa. <laughs> Are we that worried about drinking a mimosa that we have to call it a bro mosa? I don't know. Just in, the, in, the, in the moment, it sounded very funny. I, I'll say, I'll put a gavel bang on this one. Men can drink mimosas. Men can drink bellinis. Uh, men can drink whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, that's our. That's our. You know positive masculinity move here i like this tell the people why in fact we are talking about this right now yeah so very very excited we just signed up a new sponsor Streetside brewery and to me this feels like a real a real graduation moment for the post we we have a member of the cincinnati brewing community uh sponsoring us you know we're 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 joining up with a fun local industry and tradition and yeah, Streetside are good guys. I, I like their beers. I like their location. I lived in Columbia, Tusculum for a long time. They're located like right around the corner from where my dad was born. Like awesome, awesome stuff. I'm really excited about it and yeah, more to come with them. I'm, I'm excited about this, this partnership here. I think it's like when <clears throat> in Mad Men, when, when they signed up their first car, Mm-hmm. Um, this feels very momentous to get to get a local brewery, um, and I won't I won't say what car company. Uh, <laughs> they they <laughs> the best analogies too if you've seen Mad Men. But um, I will say I will. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> The tradition of, of Grayson immediately <laughs> shitting on any connection we make. <laughs> uh, but here's here's what I will say. I'm a I was a huge I was hugely excited when I found out we were that that street side had reached out or we we had reached out or however that's happened. <laughs> um, because I'm a big fan of the brewery. It's one that I go to. You know, it's it's one of my go tos. Um, mm-hmm. it's a great option because like my wife and I have very different tastes in beer Yep, and like my wife really likes, uh, sours and fruited beers and they have a wide selection of those. Yeah. Um, I go f- toward the kind of very stereotypical, uh, <laughs> IPA hazy, <laughs> you know, this time of year, maybe some darker beers, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they have a lot of really great examples of different beer profiles and then um more than once i have made the bike ride that has stopovers at at street side and and other breweries along the along the bike trail like it's actually very easy to bike from street side or from my house to street side and back so um you know i look forward to doing that and claiming my Discount. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to shamelessly use the discount on my own. And I'm going I'm I'm to pull the. Uh, so there was, we were one time we were huddled in the stadium uh, during a rain delay, and I was with Kevin and uh, and Tommy G. We saw him walking by uh, in the under area of around the stadium by where the stairs are, and Kevin shouts out to Tommy G. Hey, Tommy, I loved you on the postcast. <laughs> you know, just trying to build the brand a little bit. Yeah. Um, I will shamelessly go to Streetside and say, hey, I heard there's a discount code on this podcast, the postcast. Um, <laughs> is that a thing? Can I get a beer here? And not acknowledge that I'm, in fact, the person that's doing the live read and talking about <laughs> no, this. No, of course. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, a dollar's a dollar. I'm, I'm not... I will debase myself for one dollar off a beer. I'll I'm not even going to say I heard it. I'm going to say somebody told me... <laughs> 
because I don't want to admit that I listen to the show. That's Somebody That's told good. me that if I mention this thing, the postcast, <laughs> I get a dollar. Yeah. yeah. That sounds incredible. Those people, those people must really be negotiating hard on our behalf, <laughs> whoever they are. We're, we're hitting the pavement. We're getting the word out. Right. Uh, I did that move at the Empanadas Box the first time. I was like, oh, I heard there's a code. And um, uh, one of the owners came out and they're like, oh, the podcast guy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've been made. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah. I, I tried to get away with that one. <laughs> in, in honor of Chris Albright, we got to come up with like a script. It's like... Somebody told me that there is a postcast and I get a dollar <laughs> if I mention the podcast when I order a beer. <laughs> that kind of goes with the song, with the killer song. Yeah. Some- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I need to get Jonah on a full Mr. Brightside uh, remix or, you know, parody that's uh, just all about street side. I think this will work. Well, that would be somebody told me. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Because we can't use Mr. Brightside because it's reserved for wins. Oh, true. I don't know. Not life wins. Getting a dollar off a beer is a pretty big win in my book. (laughs) If you drink enough, it's a free beer. (laughs) You just need to keep buying lots of beers. Challenge accepted. Yeah. (laughs) Buy six, your seventh one is free. I think that's a good deal. So that's awesome. Street side. Excited to do that. That's a favorite of mine. Living right around the corner from there in Oakley. You don't have to order all six in one sitting. <laughs> no. Especially those little ones they do that are like the the quintuple stout, stouts. We went there one time when it was stout week, me and a friend, and we ordered beers and they all came in like the airline wine glass cups. And my buddy Penny was like, I ordered a full beer. It's like, oh no, there's a full one in there. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> a shot of 25% alcohol. It was so stout. good. Yeah. <laughs> The Demogorgon, so good. Uh, I, I will say, too, they are not afraid to experiment. You will find some funky beers on there. Uh, a while ago, I don't know if this is in their regular rotation, but they had a green tea IPA for a long time. Like They'll try anything, which I very much appreciate from a good brewery. One of my, one of my pet peeves with breweries that is when like a brewery experiments like too much. Yeah. And um, there's like not a staple that you can just order. Yeah. Right. If I if I don't want, you know, something with like lactose and raspberry and cardamom, <laughs> can I get uh just can I just get like a pilsner or something? Right. And Sometimes you do run into that with breweries that are constantly cycling through and get a little too excited, you know, which is great. Like I, I love when people are excited about what they do, but I, but with, with street side, you know, if you don't want to go nuts, you don't have to. Right. They get a ton of like, they always have just a beer, the good selection of like basic. I want a beer. Yeah. Styles. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And there, it, it's it's really nice. I really enjoy the place. They have a food option there most times that I've been there, so it's it's great. I, I I like the brewery a lot. Love that neighborhood. I think it's a very underrated neighborhood. You've got Highmark not too too far away. Everybody knows Eli's, but like Tostadas is a great karaoke bar. You got Stanley's not far away. Local Post right around the corner, yeah. right next door is a really good spot. And then uh, Jose Salazar yeah. just opened a uh, a place. It's like a bodega sandwich, New York style sandwich place takeout. Uh, daily, daylily, or something like that. Yeah, I went there the other day. Chopped cheese. Uh, one of the only places in Cincinnati we can get one. Oh, That's just shit. a messy hamburger. I know, <laughs> and it's delicious. So, um, but I will say, uh, if any of those places, so those are places. 
Just go to Streetside. Yes. If any of those places want to sponsor the postcast, we'll talk more about them on a later episode. <laughs> we, we too I, will dedicate 10 minutes to you. I would love to, to have the entirety of like the Columbia Tuscan <laughs> business corridor sponsoring this podcast. The, the official po- soccer podcast, soccer in quotation marks, you can, of Columbia Tusculum. Because like, look, it's super accessible. You can ride your bike to basically any of these places. Yep. You got Reeves right there if you want to do like a little par three golf course. Yeah. You could ride all the way around Lunkin. Maybe you'll catch the team doing a private flight Ooh. somewhere. Right. Maybe next time they bring in a free agent, you can see them land. That, there's there's a lot of possibilities. A lot of possibilities. A lot of tying opportunities yeah. here. This is big. Uh, Look, I'm not a marketing guy, so no. You know, but it's obvious by listening to this content. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, R.I.P. the the Sky Galley. May may we see something resume in that that space at some point. But oh god. Um, so once again, thank you to Streetside. Uh, but I'm looking at these notes I wrote down here, guys. I hate to do this to us. A lot of soccer to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, Tough scenes for us. Yeah, this is rough. So I'm going to throw out one. This is, given the timing of when we're recording this, this is top of mind for me. Start off with Brandon Vasquez tearing up Mexico right now. Uh, bags a brace in, uh, what, his second official game with Monterey. Um Dude looks incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is almost proof that he was in fact sort of in his own head to me anyway. A very small sample size, but he was in his own head last year, and now he's he's made his move. He's comfortable, and we finally see the the Vasquez that we knew was there. I think we see what happens when a good player joins a top team that plays in a league where the other teams are overmatched against that team. I mean, he's like, um, this is not, these aren't, and I don't want to take away from it because these are, you know, these aren't like USL level teams he's playing against, but he's playing on Monterey and his goals came against Carretero and Atletico San Luis, which are teams that are not that are simply not in the same class yeah. as Monterey. They don't have player for player. They don't have the same quality that Monterey has. Right. Which um you know, I think plays into plays into Brandon's strengths because he's got quality opponents around him. And if he finds space, he can He'll get he'll get his goals. Um, that now that now that first header against San Luis was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> like we've seen him do we've seen him do if not that exact header before, like pretty similar finishes. Um, there was the one he did against um, I want to say Serbia in January camp where yeah. he got the ball from Julian Gressel, and people were talking about like oh. Gressel's crossing is so good and I just thought it was insane because like Vasquez finished that header from like all the way the opposite side of the box and right. hit a bad back right. post on Jordi Petrovic <laughs> like it was it's like it's just not I don't find this surprising I mean I think some people I've seen U.S. media talk about him now like why isn't this guy higher up in the U.S. depth chart 
Well, like, yeah. we've been saying... Welcome to this debate. <laughs> <laughs> we have been saying since before the World Cup that these are the exact qualities that the U.S. men's national team doesn't have in its roster. Right. And he has shown when he's played for the U.S. that if they need a goal coming off the bench... He can provide that, and he's like the right. he's one of the only people right. in the striker pool who can consistently no, it's, provide that. Well, it, it's the U.S. men's national team striker pool is it's like a baseball bullpen of all right-handed pitchers. Yeah, and this is the the lefty that they've been missing forever. Even if you don't want to play this style, you still want to have the ability to do something different when nothing is working off the bench. I'm happy for Brandon. Um, I do think it's a mix of both your points. I think it's the fact that he is on a team now where they are not salary constrained the way an MLS team is, where they can have good players everywhere. A team like Monterey doesn't have to make a compromise at a position because we've overspent elsewhere. They can spend whatever it takes to make sure that they have a player they like at every position. Let's not say they have a bottomless pit of money to spend, but they can spend. And other teams in Mexico, Mexico can't. They don't have the quality of players. And he's a striker. He depends on certain to a certain level on good service about having good players to keep the field spaced properly for him. And it's it's going to his play style. And yeah, like the now at this point, it's a different kind of pressure on him. In the past, this past year, the pressure was to perform and get the transfer. Yep. Now the pressure is perform to the levels of expectations of my team. Yep. And the transfer fee and what was placed upon me. And it's a different kind of pressure and it's a pressure he's thriving under. Currently, it seems like. But I also want to, you know, just, you know, note, Brandon's a streaky player. (laughs) And it'll be interesting to see what this conversation looks like in six weeks, eight weeks, and see if he keeps this torrid pace up. I'll tell you something. If he keeps this pace up, he's probably not going to stay long in the Mexican (laughs) leagues either. I know Monterey isn't a selling team, but at a certain point, if you got a guy that's absolutely annihilating things like People are going to come calling. Yeah. Whether or not they sell is a different thing. I have a more meta question I'd like to ask about this if the group is ready for it. Not yet. Okay. I, do, I do want to say, like, to your point, it's it's still very early, right? Yeah. If he keeps up the pace, wins the golden boot, maybe he does finally – maybe he does get the opportunity to realize that European dream, mm-hmm. right? But to the other kind of pressure – if Monterey drops a couple of games to Tigres in America, yeah, and Brandon doesn't find the back of the net, and God forbid, you know, minute misses a sitter or two, which we've yeah. seen in those games, um, he's not a different player than he is today, <laughs> right? Right, but how do you handle? But that will be a different kind of pressure than he's experienced in his career, and you know how a player handles that. Is very important, you know, because it can it can really affect people. And I think Brandon's got a good head on his shoulders, and i i have i have had nothing but confidence yeah. that Brandon was going to go to Mexico and score a bunch of goals. Yeah, and you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I he's according to the uh, the scuffed Discord, they do a great like after each camp, they have everybody on their ranks like. A hundred U.S. men's national team pool players on a scale of one to a hundred, and they publish like their top fifty. I think Brandon was the thirty-fourth best player in the pool, according to that that 
I'll, I'll say a fairly knowledgeable group of people. They'll obviously have their favorites versus, you know, everybody else or whatever. But yeah, I wonder how long it takes for him to just start working up that level. I th- they've been really hard on him. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because people, people overrate certain skills and underrate other skills in particular. I think people underrate Brandon's physical tools yeah. largely because it can't really be taught. Mm-hmm. But like you can't undervalue that. And I think it's like one reason why a lot of players aren't fully appreciated for how they are in soccer because they're not they're not like so technical right that you're thinking of like Ronaldinho. Right. I think the, you know I think the problem is deeper than that with the US men's national team. Not to, you know, really get off on a tangent, but it's a it is a fan base by and large that really doesn't have a good comp in its history for a player like Brandon Vasquez. It's a fan base that was raised where the star players have always been wingers, have always been people coming in off the wing that are creators like Landon Donovan, um, Clint Dempsey to a certain point with his ability, his technical ability to create. And now Christian Pulisic is the flag bearer for American soccer. And the idea of a team that is built around or that scores goals with a target man striker that's a big body. That's not unfamiliar to a lot of other teams in the world, but to America, we've just never designed our teams to work through that. And the people that we sort of laud as the heroes of American soccer are work rate guys, are guys where you can see the the, the product, on the effort on the field in terms of speed, uh, moving the ball, creating out of nowhere, those are America's like heroes, for lack of a better word. And with Brandon Vasquez, it's like, oh, this is a type of player and a style of play that our national team has just never utilized or seen. And I think it's undervalued as a result of that. Yeah. So, like, I think about a guy like – so, good to first get off the men's national team and get back on it. Um, a player we talked about, uh, I think, a lot on this podcast or more than we do talk about international players is, like, Olivier Giroud. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I listened to Men in Blazers back in the day, they would always shit on Giroux. Okay. Right? They would make fun of his, like, touch and all that. But the man, all he ever did was score, was goal. score goals at the <laughs> highest level right. his entire all career. The time. In the biggest teams in the world, right? And then in and win the World Cup, you know? Yeah, I believe like, he's France's all-time leading goal scorer. Yeah. And um, on the men's national team front... Um, I think when you talked about, you know, who our best players have been, I also, you know, think about a guy like Brian McBride. Yeah. Who um, I've heard podcasts of former national team players talk about, like, him not being a good soccer player. Like, just, like, being terrible in, like, more, like, tongue-in-cheek, but, like, being terrible at a lot of the drills they were doing. Right. And a lot of, like, the one-touch drills they were doing and everything. Um, But especially for an American, he scored a lot of goals in the Premier League. Yeah. You know? And he scored in, he scored, you know, a lot of goals for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. Very iconic player. You know, the, with just, like, Totally writing off a player like that because of your tendency toward appreciating, like, guys who are great in, like, small-sided games. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, 
I just think it, it's you failing to appreciate the full breadth of what can be on display in a soccer field. Yeah. And like Jesus Ferreira is not going to hit, and this is no shade to him, but like Jesus Ferreira has got a lot of really good qualities. He's not going to hit a header like, like Brandon just had no. against San Luis. No. Right. And do you want to write that out of the game? No. You That's want, spectacular. You want that option, like, like to go to the classic like golfing analogy. It's like all of our strikers are like little, you know, pitching wedges, and you you have Brandon, which is ostensibly a, a large, massive driver in this case. And it's like, hey, we can dink and dunk our way around the box, or we can just throw this guy up when we're down a goal and just hope for the best and just pound it in there. And the other the other thing, the last thing I'll say on this before we get to the, I do want to hit the yes. meta narrative, is um, people still talk. Talk about Brandon like he's not fast. Yeah. And, you know, straight line sprint speed. There's probably a lot of players in the pool who are fat who would beat Brandon in a foot race. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I always want to remind people of is the goal he scored against New York Red Bull in the playoffs in 2022. Yep. He reached the highest speed of any player in MLS on a goal scoring play. <laughs> and so, like, you can be fast all day. Yep. But what matters from a striker is how fast can you go and finish a play. <laughs> right. Right. How, so if you how does the ball finish, get in the net? I don't care how fast you are getting there. If you if you're not gonna finish a play at your top speed, yeah. If you got to slow down to like keep the control you yeah. need, or to get open, or or to to make your move. That's how fast you are. Yeah. You're as fast as you can be while making a play. This is like when um, Usain Bolt tried out for Dortmund and I think even played for an Australian team. It's like, that's great. Like, your 100-meter dash is really good. Can you get on the end of a cross with that? Can you dribble at that speed? Yeah, probably not. Can you make a double move and get open in the box? Right. (laughs) Oh, God. So here's the the, the meta-narrative I want to get into. Um, how much longer with all of these players are we interested in what Brandon Vasquez or all the other players we've sold on or will sell on? Brenner, when Mascara. do we Mascara, When when do we stop caring? Or is this one of those things where if you are an MLS team, because this is new for me, I've never <laughs> right. been a fan of an MLS team that is selling players successfully. <laughs> Off to other leagues. A fun problem. I know. Champagne <laughs> problems all around. Um, when do we risk looking like the we're stalking our ex a little too much? <laughs> we, we get a little Carolyn Blasters in us. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't. We're obviously not there. It's very new for Brandon. Yeah. But do we reach a point where we don't need to mention Brandon Vasquez on the postcast any longer? So... I think because Vasquez is still in the U.S. men's national team pool, he will get an outsized, you know, attention share just because presumably a lot of fans of FC Cincinnati are also fans of the U.S. men's national team. So you'll you'll kind of keep tabs on that from that perspective. I think there's a part of the fan base, though, and I guess a part of me, I'll kind of always keep tabs on these guys. I don't know if I'm going to be tweeting about it all the time, but yeah, I like to see like, how did Victor Uoa do at Miami these last few years? Where where is old uh, yeah Anthony Hopplenot going to be playing in the USL this year? Like, I, I'm always curious about these guys. 
Um, I so I think there's stages of this for me. Like there were stages when in like USL that you know I would like to know what our other players were up to, and then we get to MLS, and when we sucked, I was like, I was get these, these bums out of here. I don't care. Play, would these players go like? What do they do after they leave the team? Like, right. is the problem like we had bad players, or is the problem we had a bad organization? And the, you know, based on what happened to all the people <laughs> involved with the team in the first couple of years, I think the answer was both. Yes. <laughs> um, and then we're at like a new stage where we're actually moving players to bigger clubs for the first time. Yeah. And like good players are leaving. This is like the first time that that that's starting to happen. Yeah. And um, for Vasquez, yes, there is the U.S. men's national team mm-hmm. uh, aspect. Um, there's another aspect, though, that you want players to leave your team and do well because that helps the team. It validates the development yeah, in the team. Right. It shows potential Buyers mm-hmm. that you can get a player from FC Cincinnati and they will perform. Yep. But it also shows players that this is a viable part of your journey. That going through FC Cincinnati um, can get you to where you want to be, whatever that whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. And um you know, and the other aspect of that is like, I am I am immediately curious what players are going to be doing when they go to other big leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, it I I was interested in what is Mascara going to do right after he gets loaned to Villarreal, right? And so I'm going to probably loosely keep tabs, yeah, on the Villarreal games just to see if he's getting game time because that's an important part of his development and. I want, I want him to get into the Wolves team. Yes, right, right. Yes. You want, you want. I want Mascara to be a Wolves player because it reflects well on FC Cincinnati. And very, and also ni- because, very nice things to say about us recently. Yeah, Wolves yeah. did. And also, he's, you know, and also I think he was a player that I grew to like. So I do kind of also more passively wish him the best in his career. Yeah. Um, I would not have talked about I, I don't think I don't think if it wasn't for this like meta conversation, I don't think I would have would have thought that Mascara's few minutes against Barcelona and Brenner's cameo for Udinese. I don't I wouldn't have mentioned him on the podcast. Right? Yeah. Like I know I think Brennan Vasquez going to Mexico and scoring goals right away. And like great that's, goals. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. If Brenner had went into Udinese his first start, or if he I guess he hasn't had a start yet. Yeah. If Brenner scores two goals in Syria A, you know, I would I would talk about that. Maybe there comes a point in time though where we've moved on so many players um that it's not notable yeah. when a guy leaves and does well. Um, but we're not we're not there. I think what we really need and what we're really crying out for is someone, not me, not us. <laughs> we've got a lot of we've got enough on our plate as it is. <laughs> someone out there needs to start like gay FCC alums <laughs> Twitter account yes. that I can just follow and I can mute it when I'm feeling low and I don't want to see all these great players. But yeah. like that I can have this account that I can go and just aggregates things that 
I would say you got to limit it to well, maybe you don't have to limit it if it's in a, an account. You're just, it's everybody that used to play for FC Cincinnati, they pop up with some highlights or something cool, hits hits the retweet button. Yeah. Or maybe it just limits it to. So to me, there are two categories of former FCC players. I think that you can probably be more discreet with this and have more tiers and rankings if you really need some. We need some offseason content maybe at some point. Right. But um, you're either sword worthy or not sword worthy. Ooh. Like when you come back to, if at some point in the future you find yourself back in Cincinnati, will you be asked to pull the sword? Mm. So I think the answer for Vasquez is absolutely yes. Yeah. Um, Mascara, I think, is yes. Even though he was only here for a short amount of time. He was on that Supporter Shield winning team. Supporter Shield winning team. Flags fly forever. Made a hell of an impression. Yeah. Brenner? I'm 50-50 on. We'll see what happens. Biggest transfer in club history. Kind of hated his time here. I think he gets to pull the sword. He was technically on the Supporter Shield winning team. <laughs> Does he have a ring somewhere? Did he get a, a I'm sure coin it was, or a it was medal? Like mailed to him, and he threw it in a drawer because <laughs> he doesn't care. Um, it, it might require a change of soccer leadership to get Brenner to pull a sword, and depending on how his career goes. But yeah, I could maybe. They say might have. It. He might have to pay his own flight since we lost money on him. <laughs> like we're not going to pay to bring him here. But if you want to, if you want to pay, you get yourself over here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I I could even be more cynical about do we care or not care. And it's basically, who do we have a sell-on percentage still hanging out there? (laughs) So, like, presumably, Barial will probably have one when we uh, move him along. Brenner and Vasquez both have one. We have a a proper financial interest in these guys doing well. And whatever little help our fan base can have in hyping these guys up may very well contribute to a couple of extra bucks thrown their way eventually. The only problem with some of these guys pulling the sword is um, do they get to keep it? Because if they keep the sword, that might be difficult to get back off through TSA, getting back out of the country. You can check a sword. That's that's a good call. I would love to know where GB's sword is then. If he, if he do, was do we know that? It. Do you get to keep the sword that you pull, or is it the same sword I, I, every time? I would I'm almost certain that you do not get to keep yeah. the sword. They should let you keep the sword. You get one of those little foam ones. No, itself. like they should get, if you pull the sword in an FC game, spend like the 600 bucks or whatever it is, and you should get the sword that's that has your name engraved on it and, sh- and like the club logo on it. There should be two. There should be two swords. Okay. There should be a sword that you get that you pull and you get to keep that sword. Yep. And there should be a second sword that also has your name engraved on it. And they should put it on a wall somewhere. Hang them. Where like there is just a wall of swords of everyone that has pulled the sword <laughs> at an FC game. And engrave it <laughs> with the match score on there. So at some point down like the first financial club, yeah. there's just a wall. And every result has the sword. The goal, who scored? This is a fucking sword. You can put whatever you need on there. Yeah. You got an entire book on it. The starting lineup. Yeah, or like whatever ones. it is. You, you engrave that, <laughs> and then you keep it on the wall. And then eventually, when there's too many swords to keep up, you melt them all down. You make an actual iron throne. <laughs> and the star of the match gets to sit in the melted down sword iron throne. <laughs> You'd have, to, you'd have to sell a lot of Brandon Vasquez's to fund this. <laughs> no, how much does a sword cost? Like, I'm going to say 50, 500 bucks? more than $500. To get an engraved sword. If it is a $500 is a lot of money. Proper steel sword forged presumably by somebody. Who doesn't need you don't need to fight a battle with this thing. It just, <laughs> it just has to look good. Just stamped just, out of US steel. Yeah, I don't care. It's just gotta be polished enough that it looks dangerous. It doesn't actually have to hold up the combat. Forged in the fires of the Cuyahoga River. <laughs> 
gosh, now I'm way into this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure David at Northern Row where they marched from the Pride. I'm sure he's got a forge somewhere in his basement. That, yeah. That's a mad scientist. It feels like he'd have one for sure. Uh, I like your idea of of an account tracking these guys. I know uh, Justin from CST has been doing some sort of like, hey, there's these FCC alum playing this weekend posts, which are nice. Uh, but it does remind me of like following Brian Scaretta, which is my favorite because he'll post like this U17 player in the Faroe Islands just scored in this reserve game and he'll post the highlight of it and underneath are all the U.S. Men's National Team fans like he's gonna break through any day now. this is great um, yeah I would love that for like oh my god here's here's GB scoring in a rec game in Senegal it's like yeah he, bring him back we need him if only we had a news website that could do this sort of thing it's a shame there isn't one that exists no, right uh <laughs> But yeah, good good job to Mosquera, good job to Vasquez. Uh, it does lead us, though, into Barriel. I, I do want him to be on a team that I can cheer for him on. I'm happy if that is FC Cincinnati. I so let's let's yeah. level let's level set this right here, please. Okay, so we're recording this on Sunday morning in our the official postcast studios Sunday downtown. Sunday morning. <laughs> um, as we sit here, mm-hmm. there appears to be very little smoke yes. around a move for Alvaro Barrio. And that matters because the European transfer window closes on the 31st at midnight, which yeah. is what, Wednesday? It is Wednesday. So as you listen to this on Monday, presumably, anywhere from roughly 48 to 72 hours are left if Alvaro Barrial is going to move to Europe. And within that time period, and we don't know where this process is at. Right. It could be happening as we speak, and everyone is just keeping very quiet about it. Yep. Stranger things have happened in world football. But Barrial will, in the next 48 to 72 hours, if he's going to move, will have needed to complete all of his immigration and passport stuff to mm-hmm. make a transfer, his medicals, which would be needed to make a transfer because I don't think that you can, I don't think there's a take back provision if you flunk a medical test, right? It's a good question. Especially at the end of the window. Like that's bad for a team. If this is their big incoming transfer. They're going to take got, a big risk and just saying, wave the medical. We will take him however he is. Right. The Tommy Heineman approach doesn't always work that well. <laughs> Old heads remember. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I am now of the opinion, and this is a shocking thing to say, I don't think he's moving. I don't think he's moving this window. And there was a quote earlier uh, this weekend uh, that uh, I think Laurel posted from Pat Noonan. Yeah. Where it's kind of hedging on he's still a member of this team. He's hoping to move, but there's not a lot of movement on this. Yeah. I don't know. My, like, 40, 72 hours. It's not a lot of time for we have. You would think if it was imminent or that there was something going on, we would have seen or heard something. I think so. There, there are. I've seen people post online that there is interest out of Italy. Club soccer. There is. There's two clubs are interested in him. He did go to Italy apparently sometime this offseason to get a passport or some sort of residency citizenship something along those lines. I I haven't seen full de- details on that. And then 
yeah, you're right, though. There's like there's not a lot of rumors out there. You'd assume there'd be something, even if it's, you know, the classic agent driven, like, oh, this team's interested in him to try to, like, encourage the other teams to move a little faster. We're not even seeing that anymore. I mean, we saw that a few weeks ago, I think, with the Bournemouth stuff. That seemed agent-driven. People are still pushing. Like, I, I still yeah. see people reporting that as if that's clearly... I mean, maybe maybe I should hedge a little bit. But like, <laughs> No, go for it. Hot take. It's, it's bullshit. It's all yeah, made it's up. It's clear yeah. bullshit. It's liar stuff. If, if there had been an eight and a half million pound not even just pound if there had been eight and a half million dollar right uh offer or like eight and a half million peso i don't know what the change is <laughs> i feel eight and a half million peso we're taking a bath on that yeah one. that's true um that 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 would be that would be done already and he wouldn't be posting on instagram from buenos aires yeah like i don't think he but i I don't think he needs to have like his immigration stuff done to do a transfer, but he would need to, you know, get his get his medical, right? Yeah. Which you would need him to be flying Monday or Tuesday, yeah. right? To 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 do that because they they usually do those in the country where the team is. Yeah, usually observed by their staff. And so there are apparently third parties that some of these teams will trust. So you can go to some sports science facility that these guys will sign off on. But yeah. And the so I saw somebody, I forget, somebody on Twitter had the two Italian teams, I think, like a week ago. Yeah. Um, there was the lens stuff, which there was a. Well, if you deep, num- if you dive down to the lens stuff, which you know I I'm a sicko, and it's you know <laughs> it's it's translate this tweet season. Yep. So if the rumors about lens, looking back on those from a couple weeks ago, the number they were throwing around that lens was offering FC Cincinnati, yeah, was about three and a half million dollars. Yeah. And before we started taping, Grayson and I were talking about this um, while we were waiting for Kevin to bring the microphone cable <laughs> to the studio. <laughs> FCC needs to get somewhere in the neighborhood of four to four and a half million because in order to maximize the GAM uh, transfer rate for this, the GAM exchange rate, and we are going to do at some point a, more, a podcast explaining this if this is confusing to you yes. in terms of like GAM, TAM, roster rules. We're still working out what that's going to look like. But in order for FC Cincinnati to maximize the benefit that they would get under MLS salary rules for this sale, they need to cover the original transfer fee they paid for Brenner. Plus, there's a 25% sell-on fee that needs to be cleared for Velez, I think was his original club. Yeah. Um, and then there's an additional like $250,000 in different types of incentives for the transfer fee to increase it on beyond what they paid originally, which he almost certainly hit. I can't imagine what the conditions would have been that he wouldn't have hit these numbers based on play time, goals scored and trophies trophies and accomplishments. So if lens was below that, I it, I don't know where the there unless they're waiting to see if the last minute they're going to pop up and you know say okay here's another million to make it because there's no way FC Cincinnati is making this sale 
for less than full GAM conversion yeah. valuation. It just it doesn't make a business sense yeah. to, to do it otherwise. And at the end of the day, it's nice to move a player along in their career and you're doing a player a solid, but like if he's not meeting the valuation you need to maximize that amount of money, that that's just you'd rather have Alvaro Barrial than at that point and see if you can make more money on him this summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think the number is like we don't know the exact number, but it's because we don't know the exact transfer fee. We don't know whatever, but it's something between like three point eight and like four point one ish. Yeah. Um, and I think FC Cincinnati's number, at least what has been speculated or quote unquote reported, was like six. Yeah. Um, I would. And so, like, you know, there's there's probably some flexibility, but I don't think the flexibility is below the GAM conversion number. Yeah. Because you need the GAM to, to replace him. To replace him <laughs> and to work on your work on your roster. Yeah. And today, Alvaro Barrial is an FC Cincinnati player. And if I had to put money on it, I would Guess that Thursday, Alvaro Barrial will be an FC Cincinnati player. <laughs> yeah, I don't see a club in Brazil or Argentina paying that much money for Barrial. I don't know that he would want to move there. Unless... And those are the, those are the transfer windows that would be open after right. the European window closes. Yeah. yeah, maybe one of the giants in Brazil wants him and he finds that appealing enough. But I don't. I just don't see it at six million dollars. It's unlikely, or even four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, well, so yeah. to, to put a cap on the Barreal thing, I think that we're all in agreement that I think we, he's going to be here on Thursday. On Friday. <laughs> Wait, will he be with the team? Well, I mean, he'll be, in, he'll, he'll be okay, that, registered as an <laughs> FC Cincinnati player. He will be a member of the FC Cincinnati roster on Thursday. Okay. On Thursday. Where do we think Alvaro Barrial is in terms of are we looking at a Brenner situation or are we looking at a Vasquez situation? And those are two very different choose your own adventure paths in this book. I think we are looking at a Alvaro Barrial situation. Damn. All right. So you got to. All right. So I know what the Brenner situation. I know what the Vasquez situation is. Tell me what the Alvaro Barrial situation is. Um, I think it was. I think it was last season. It might have been the season before. Barrial was a few days late reporting after when it when everybody yeah. was expected, and it was kind of said it was like a paperwork issue. Um, I think Acosta also was a little late reporting last year, and there was that chatter where it's like, <laughs> Lucho is contemplating his future, Yeah, which was just like kind of a crazy thing to build an article around, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, we had an emergency podcast about it. I think we did. Um, but so Lucho, I, I, think, I think we'll, I think Barrio will be comp- contemplating his future uh, at the end of the week. And, um, you know, like they're not good. I would be pretty mad at the team if they did something reckless, like loaning him 
to Argentina. Yeah. That doesn't get him any closer to a move. It doesn't help us out yeah. on the roster at all. Yeah. Like, no. there's a situation where Alvaro, Alvaro has been a great professional in the team when he's played. There has been some hints of, you know, maybe a little bit of growing pains at various times, like at least like early on between him and Noonan when it wasn't clear what his position in the team was going to be in early 22. Yeah. Um, because he hadn't been converted to that left wing back position because Matarita was still with the team and they hadn't even started playing the formation with the wing backs yeah. at the beginning of 2022. Um, but I think I think Pat Brennan early by the end of last year's preseason was describing Noonan's relationship with Barrial as a bromance. <laughs> <laughs> and Noonan was called was talking about Barrial on his pot on on his like radio appearances at that point in time as, you know, one of the best things about the team in the preseason. Yeah. And um if 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 Barrial is registered with the team at the end of the various transfer windows, I would not be surprised if there's a little bit of you know, moping or, you know, reflection, let's say reflection down in Argentina for a couple of days beyond his yeah. s- supposed report date. Right. Considering his future, you might say. Um, yeah. And <laughs> contemplating. Contemplating, sorry. I, and, you know, he is like kind of a contemplative guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, It'll be a sadder vamos than usual. <laughs> but I do think, I do think that, that at no some point in preseason, he will vamos up to Florida <laughs> and uh, join the team. And when he's out there as a player, yeah, I can't imagine getting anything other than his best effort. Yeah, I'm imagining he is. This is a guy who you see it on the field. Yeah. Like he leaves it all out there, and he player. was leaving it all out there when they were losing 11 games in a row right. in 2021. <laughs> I was just imagining the uh, the classic uh, TikTok of the uh, the girl crying, her makeup running, and she's still doing the ridiculous TikTok. <laughs> That's how I'm imagining the sad vamos. Or, you know, the girl from Villanova playing the flute as she's crying as the <laughs> yes. game goes to commercial. I think so he, this he, is his this is his fifth season. This will be his fifth season in the team. Oh my god, that can't be right. So he he was not here for all of 2020. 2020. So he joined 2020, 21, 22, 23, 21. Oh, oh my god. Whoa. And so I do think I lost that bet. I do think at this point in time. If this was like a brand new player or somebody who had joined last year and was holding out, yeah. you might be more concerned. At this point in time, I think he's earned all kinds of benefit of the doubt. Yep. Yeah. I think the, the the big issue is going to be, and I'm sure we'll get – we don't know the full story now. We may know the full story at some point or we may not. It's just one of those things. I think there will be a big difference in how Alvaro Barrial moves forward with this depending on – what offers, if any, came in that the club turned down? Right. So, like, I think that if it's a situation of we find out that Lens offered three and a half, FC Cincinnati was holding out for four and a half, and they never met, 
Yeah. And it was so close. I could see there being a bad attitude. Right. If the bids just didn't come in this year, then to a certain extent, that's on Alvaro and that's on his agent. Because yeah. the agent's job is to go out there and hype the hype your player, hype your man, get a team to the point where they're willing to offer personal terms and a, a transfer fee that meets the owning club's expectation or the, the contract holding club's expectation. Yep. And if that didn't come in, then yeah, there's going to be disappointment. But the disappointment, I think, eventually will be self. Yeah. Versus at the club. And I think that matters a lot in terms of whether or not we see a Brenner type situation or a situation where I have to go out there and redouble my efforts and prove that whatever it is, the feedback my agent was getting was either a problem, was not true. Yeah. Or that like, okay, you can believe what you're seeing from the past season with me. And I've seen, I've watched um, Barial interviews with Argentine media. I watched, there's like a YouTube video where he, in particular, where he talks to like a Velez channel. It was right after, Mm. um, right after Messi came to MLS. And I think Argentine media was like kind of reaching out to any Argentine players in MLS that they could (laughs) pull. So there's like, it's like an hour long chat. And they talked to him about what he wants to do with his career. And he says, you know, he would like to move to Europe, but he would also be happy in MLS longer term. Yeah. And that's what that's what he told Argentine media in Spanish with no expectation that anybody from FC Cincinnati would be watching this. Right. Right. And so I I I credit that a bit, you know, yeah. that he's not I don't I don't think I really don't think that if there's nowhere to move him, he's gonna be sitting out multiple games. Right. I could see it like, you know, maybe he doesn't start against Toronto yeah. week one, depending on right. when he gets into camp. Although, be honest, like, does he need that much lead time? I mean, honestly, with how short this offseason has been and how ragged he was run last year, maybe I don't know that, like, a couple extra weeks off of, you know, doing whatever it is you need to do to get your mentals and your body right wouldn't be even better for Alvaro. Right. And the season starts off real easy for FCC with uh, Cavalier and Toronto being the first three matches, I think, that they'll play. So Yeah, but they both those both games could be ugly dogfights, though. True. Right, because you're talking about Champions League match on the road in the Caribbean. Yep. And then you're talking about a John Herman coached <laughs> Toronto FC. Yeah. They are going to be Kick, Toronto, I think, is going to be kicking the shit out of people this year because yeah. they're not going to be very good. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, yeah no. When, it, when he says kicking the shit, it means like quite literally kicking, <laughs> right? Kicking people. It's not winning <laughs> yeah. or even drawing, but hurting. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be Red Bull soccer with worse players. <laughs> <laughs> the MLS dream, really. <laughs> oh god! Well, you mentioned uh, Barrio. Oh, I, I will say just real quick. And sometimes, you know, the simplest explanation is is the correct one. I'll just throw out there. It's harder to move guys in the winter in Europe. It's just not the main buying season for teams. Teams don't have the budget ready. A lot of these teams need to move a player on first before they have the budget to bring in a Barial. So it may very well be that he gets a $10 million move in the summer or we settle for a $4 million move now. So, uh, But no, we, we mentioned 
Bariel going up to Florida, and that, that gives me the opportunity to segue into the preseason match that happened this week in Florida. FC Cincinnati versus Austin. Uh, FCC loses 2-1, to one, but I think it's worth pointing out the starters, as far as I can tell, for both teams only played the first half where it finished 1-1. Jerusi played the second half. Although Jerusi played the second half, and he was ultimately the uh, the difference in the second half, them winning one to nothing. Um, run down the first half starting 11 because I think this is our first choice lineup unless somebody wins a job. So it was, and, and I don't have a formation here, so I'm just going to run down the uh, the list here. Uh, Lucho, Baird, Bupenza, Salentano, Foster, Keller, Kubo, Murphy, Waboto, Powell, Robinson. The two that I'll point out there, Kip Keller starting in place of an injured uh, Nick Haglin makes sense. And Isaiah Foster and um, what's his name? Alvis Powell, I think here are presumably our wingbacks in this case. So Foster is yeah, a that's, a, that's a surprise. Yeah. Maybe you see Halsey there. I mean, Barrial is your starter if he's in the team. <laughs> True. But. <laughs> but yeah, at least at this moment in time, Foster has beaten out Halsey. This is what I'm going to choose to read into this until somebody corrects me, that Foster's beating out Halsey for the starting job at the moment. It could also be the case that for the first priest, for the first friendly, mm-hmm. I guess they're calling this, you may just want to see a vibe check on where Isaiah Foster is. Yeah. And hey, we need to take a look at you. We kind of already know to a certain extent what we have with, with Halsey. Yep. Let's see if this kid's developed any, if he's moving in the right direction. It would be fun to know, but of course we don't televise these games, so there's absolutely no way to know how things look. <laughs> I'm holding back. <laughs> so Miazga had back spasms. Oh, that's right, that's but, right. But Noonan said that that was not, that he, did, he didn't think it was going to be a big deal. He, they were just holding him out for for the day. Yeah. Um, he's just carrying all the weight of the anger management therapy that he's going right. through on um, his back. And then Hagland is still out injured. Yeah. So the team... Oh, and then uh, Joey Apinonu apparently is potentially working on a loan. So he wasn't with the team. Interesting. I missed that. So, like buying a car or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's loaning a car in. <laughs> so the second half team was like London Agato. I have it here. And, no, down and it. no center backs. Yeah, there were no center backs. <laughs> Brian Schaefer, I think, was also a center back. The draft say, pick out of Dayton? South no South Florida or Central Florida? South Florida. South Florida. That's right. Bulls. The guy from Dayton is Ken- Kenji Moba Den. Den. Yeah. yeah. Den boys. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I couldn't remember which one of those would have been playing defense. Yeah. Uh, we also saw uh, Evan uh, Lauro was the keeper there. It looks like Khan was dealing with. Can. Can't. God damn it. <laughs> I was so proud of myself for getting Evan's name right, and I'm not even sure if that was the case. I messed up. Can had Alec Can. Can had a procedure on his hand, is what Nuno okay. described. Uh, but it also sounded like it was not not, a, not an area of concern. Okay. Yeah, London Agato, Marco Angulo, uh, Ben Alcazar. Is that? Yeah, that's the guy they got. He's an FCC two player. They that's got right. him from NYCFC. Yeah. He was the captain of the NYCFC oh, team when they started two out. Or two team. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the two team when they started out. Uh, Kimi starts in there, uh, is in the second team. Sergio Santos, uh, 
uh, Dado Valenzuela, but then my favorite, the trialist, getting the second to last billing on uh, Carter's live blog. I don't know why you don't start or end with the trialist, but he's second to last there. It was alphabetical. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> what would be after S but before V? T. Oh, interesting. Oh, For trialist. <laughs> Damn it! I was I was misremembering the dude's name. Tavel. Tavel Buka. Would have been Tavel Buka. Tavel Buka. Tavel Buka. Tavel Tuka. Took us. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, yeah, Pavel got the uh, got the run out in the second half. I don't know if we're allowed to admit that, but uh, well, I mean, it certainly caused a kerfuffle with Austin FC's social media team, who had to delete <laughs> a video that was posted because it may or may not have shown said trialist. <laughs> If you are new to this for whatever reason, yes. and you are new to the way MLS preseason works, this is great. Um, so we're going to back up for just two minutes here Please. and do a little education right here. We live in this great United States of America. Mm-hmm. And as a citizen of the United States of America, if you are, in fact, a citizen listening to this, you enjoy certain rights and privileges. The, uh, many of them are enumerated in documents that are behind sealed glass in Washington. <laughs> uh, you have the ability to work in this country, to live in this country, to travel freely in this country. Those privileges and immunities don't always apply to people that are non-citizens. Um, Hmm. famously having some debates about that in the southern part of this country (laughs) right now. But in terms of players that are international signings for sports leagues, there is a process they have to go through the similar to just about any other person who wants to come to this country to work. There has to be paperwork filled out. You have to get a work visa and be approved by the United States government to do business in this country. There are special visas that you apply for various types of careers. There is one for sports players. And the fun thing is, is that you're not allowed to work in this country until you get one of those visas. If you were, in fact, as an American citizen uh, to travel someplace like Canada or the UK, they ask you specifically what you're doing there. Yep. Most of the time, it's a tourist visa you're on, and you are not allowed to make any money in those countries on a tourist visa. Yep. Well, in soccer, <laughs> sometimes you sign a player, yep. and sometimes governments do be governments, and it takes a while for his paperwork to reach from his home country to your home country, and the paperwork the team has to submit needs to be verified by people. That can be a process, and sometimes you just don't want to wait for that process to finish. So maybe a player like a Pavel Bucha decides to hit the field a little early to get the training started before he is legally allowed to do any work in this country. This happened with Jurgen Lakadia on his transfer back in the day. Um, This may or may not have been happening with Santiago Arias last year. Who's the the timing? Nobody. nobody. Who who knows? (laughs) The, The timing of his signing may have been suspiciously linked up to a break window where he could go and apply for a more permanent visa versus the visa he was working in the country on originally. I'm not here to say I'm not an immigration lawyer, but the fact of the matter is is that there usually is an understanding among MLS teams, the media, and everyone involved that we just don't talk about the fact that international law is being broken on a friendly turn. I don't think game. international law is being broken. Ameri- United just States maybe like United States, States, States immigration, law. immigration law. And I'm not even saying broken. Bent? No, just, you just be very careful about it. I think they could get around all of this, honestly. Is that what we call not getting caught? It's just being careful. Just be, you just gotta, <laughs> it's just important to be very careful 
and to you know mitigate your risk to just yeah. think about you know it what information is like necessary to be known by certain parties at any given time yeah sometimes it's sometimes it's just you just don't you, you don't need to if you don't acknowledge something, you don't need to get into the legalities of it always. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like unreported income. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, the cash it's tips. tips for the bartender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cash tips. <laughs> we don't acknowledge it's it. Like, you don't acknowledge it. We're all happy. It's like how Kevin's not acknowledging any of the sponsorship money we've gotten on his taxes. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle I think we could fix this. MLS could fix this really easily. Are you ready for this fix? Hit me. Okay. So, what they should do is they should have an official preseason schedule. Okay. It should be all televised on Apple TV. That'll make Kevin happy, right? I'm way in on this point. Okay. So, in most lineups, uh, you have um, how many spots do we have on the roster? 18 spots? Yeah, let's say. Okay. They should have, in all preseason friendlies, two additional roster spots that are just fun spots where it's just if anyone out of the crowd wants to come play if a volunteer <laughs> wants to show up and volunteer to get a little exercise in yeah. get a little run in they're not being paid to be here no that's the volunteer spot it's a Harlem Globetrotter right. that yeah. is like for someone who may be in the United States to see and just have some fun as a tourist in this great country we do all sorts of things to engage in recreational activities yep. when I go overseas you know I go to museums that's a recreational activity I might go work out at the hotel gym. That's a recreational activity. Yeah. This is just an extended workout opportunity for someone, one lucky person or two lucky people who happen to be in this country visiting as a sightseer yeah. who may or may not want to suit up. And what a great thing for MLS to offer to grow the game where you have a chance as someone visiting this country just as a visitor to suit up. With your own jersey, your own locker, <laughs> your own name on the website, just as a tourist to yeah. get this opportunity. I love I love this plan. There's a couple of things you can do with it, too. One, you can make a all-tourist team, like down in Tampa. Everybody's trialist is on, a, on an 11. I think that could be fun. The other one, which might even be an easier solution here, just do preseason in the Czech Republic or Brazil or whatever. And then... Everybody's legal. Everybody's so, or play the game in international waters. Get like, get a boat. <laughs> Sealand yeah. strikes again. Yeah, no, like that, that thing that Elon Musk lands his rockets on yeah. that's like floating out there. Just build like a big ass soccer pitch, like right off the coast of Florida. And when you need to have a trialist play, everyone just boats out there. Yeah. And then they can booze on the boat back. It's a great thing for everyone. Was um, it Duke and Michigan State played on an, an aircraft, aircraft carrier? carrier. Yeah. <laughs> or like the first World Cup that we saw in United Passions, where the English team was training on the boat yeah. on the way to yeah. South America. Um, that's what I, the Scientologists do. They've got a boat that just sails around in international that's waters. Right. <laughs> and imagine like imagine like the story, right? It's very cinematic. Like you have Carter, the member of the press in the in the stands, and he turns over and he's like so, so Pavel, I hear you tell people you're going to be the best who's ever done it. <laughs> and then he could, he's like, well, yeah, sure, 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 sir. I'm just trying to. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> um, so I just. Yeah, so either. Yeah, so, so Noonan did say afterwards, I think this is sufficiently out there to acknowledge that whoever the trialist was, whether it was Pavel Buka, whether it was some, you know, scrappy college kid trying to get a, a, 
a place on the roster, whether it was Alex Steck. Um, <laughs> they said the trialist was uh, the best player on the field. I like that. It, as far as I can tell, it wasn't a lot of starters in the second half, but I like him being the best player on the field. That's good. Um, am I correct in saying that he won't be an employee until the registration date, which is like February 8th or something like that? No, because you can... You, you just decide. have to register him to the roster. Like, right, that's just he can be added to the roster, but he can be an employee. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, he did apparently post an Instagram story (laughs) with, and this is coming from one of our sources. (laughs) He posted an Instagram story in front of some hotel curtains that match the curtains in the hotel. The team is staying in in Florida. (laughs) I have so many questions. I, I love Abby for this. Our, our social media correspondent nailing the fact that his his decor in the background of his Instagram live feed or whatever was identical to some of the other posts we've seen. The other option too is to have the trialist mask and have like a custom like luchador mask made up. (laughs) And when you're playing as the trialist, you get to, you got to go under the hood a little bit. I like that. Shave your head. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody will know. It'll grow back in time for the season. You'll be all right. And then there's an unmasking of the trialist, like on live Apple TV. Like they'll put his live stream. I was like, like a who's that Pokemon thing and the mask comes off. It's like, it's If you put it on Apple TV, could we just like edit his existence out so there's just a blank spot that the ball goes to and sits there until he passes? I think that could be a fun solution. I'm into this. This is great. There's a lot of options here. Well, we'll yeah. hopefully we'll learn who the trial. We'll, we'll learn the identity of that unknown masked gentleman soon. And uh, yeah, he was the best player on the field, according to Noonan. I will say the Lucho to Bupenza goal that we saw was very nice. I'm enjoying that so far. So uh, Bupenza's left foot is still working. So that's great. Or right foot. I forget. I always forget. He is one footed. He won't use the other one. And I always forget which one it is. So Left, I think. I think it's his left foot. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Hey, but remember, preseason doesn't matter. It doesn't. Don't lose your head about any of this stuff. Right. And Austin has all... I don't know why we chose to do it this way. Maybe because of the long... Because we were in the playoffs longer than teams... But it looks like FC Cincinnati did start its preseason a little after some other clubs. Mm -hmm. And this is Austin's first preseason. No, this is Austin's second preseason friendly. I see. And this is our first. Yeah. So Austin has had a little bit of a head start in training. And again, Austin had Drew C on the field in the second half when we didn't have any uh, defensive players on the field. Yeah. So there we go. Good job. Thank you to Carter for covering that via the live blog. That was nice. That was a fun addition to the uh, to the mix. And yeah, well well done, everybody. Not admitting to any <laughs> immigration violations. Appreciate there. that. Good. Love that for us. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for part one for us. Uh, we'll pick pick it back up in part two, but or in part three. But in part two, we were able to sit down uh, by Twitter follower. Our biggest guest ever. I had to go back and double check this. Beat Big Randy by like 4,000 followers. Oh. Paul Daner, junior writer for The Athletic, 
podcaster, uh, constant media appearer on her. Uh, I, I guess you just call it a guest. Uh, no, covers the Bengals for The Athletic, has worked in Cincinnati for a good long while covering sports. Fantastic conversation with this guy. Um, and we didn't even yeah. get into the time that the two of us went up to USA Mexico in Columbus and watched America lose and break the Dos Acero. <laughs> and I was having like sad Waffle House on the way back to Cincinnati to sober up. A very important match, it turns out, for FC Cincinnati, looking back on it, because it took the shine off of Columbus and allowed us to move some pretty important matches to yeah. Cincinnati. So You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we've got to take one. So, no. Uh, enjoy this, this interview, and then uh, we'll catch you over in part three. And before we head on over to part two, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Scentsy Shirts. And I got to be honest with you, if you've never heard of Scentsy Shirts, I don't believe you. Look, they are the best when it comes to FC Cincinnati gear. They are the best when it comes to Cincinnati sports gear as well. They have an amazing selection online and in their two stores, one in Hyde Park, the other in Fort Mitchell. They do amazing stuff. They can also print on demand, by the way. Go check out their stock. And when you do, if you use the code, the post Cincy, all one word, all caps, they knock 10% off your order. And we kind of get to take credit for sending you over there, right? I think we can all agree that's that's fine. Just let them think that we are how you learned about them. Uh, they also have MLSPA licensed gear. Support the Players Union and FC Cincinnati players with that one. And as I said, they have print on demand in their location. So if they don't have your size in stock online, go to a store. They'll print it for you. Uh, huge thanks to Cincy Shirts for being sponsors of the podcast. Our longest running sponsor as well. Amazing, amazing guys. Happy to be working with them. Check them out again. Sensi shirts, link in description. Use the code THEPOSTSENSI. Get 10% off your entire order. Doesn't even have to be FCC gear, and you'd be doing a lot for the show. So thank you so much to Sensi shirts, and thank you for using the code. Joining us, a very special guest on the postcast uh, here. We are joined by the one and only Paul Daner Jr., senior writer, podcast host, covering the Bengals for The Athletic. You might have heard his voice on Hear That Podcast, Growling. I'm going to say biggest Bengal podcast out there. So, Paul. Wow. Welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing great. I appreciate that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about biggest Bengals pod. I do know I am uh, I'm overexposed. I know okay. that much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I just you were going to thought you were going to say when you're like, well, you'll hear him, and I was like, oh my god, don't list them all. It's it's I can't take it. I can't take it. But uh, no, it's, <laughs> thanks for having me. I love uh, I, I'm I'm loving doing this. I love doing some different stuff, considering uh, a lot of it ends up being going down the same line of topics that are can be a little monotonous, um, and so doing something different is fun, is very very fun for me and welcome. Yeah. I didn't make this promise to Paul, but it, when I initially reached out to him about doing the show, my hook was going to be if he was waffling back and forth, was telling him, I can promise you, you won't get a single question about your mock draft. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take that. I actually was, I was asked to write a, not, not a mock draft but a reaction to someone else's mock draft. <laughs> wow. You can find that on The Athletic. 
I actually mm-hmm. saw that on the athletic page today. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I felt did, like I, I made not... the best out of it. Yeah. I really did. Um, I'll take your but... word for it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't read it. Did you know there are eight offensive tackles in Dane Brugler's <clears throat> mock draft between picks seven and 27? And that's twice as many as in any time in the last five years. No, wow. I should write about that. I got to ask, is this one of the mock drafts where they 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 do trades in the mock draft? Because I find that that is the idea of mock drafting is sort of like navel gazing. But this is full on sticking your head in your belly button when it's we're also going to mock (laughs) trades within a fake draft in order to get to the desired outcome for player selections that we're looking for. That's correct. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it is all the look. No one wants to do them. It's that all the people keep clicking on them. Tell them to stop <laughs> clicking on it. And and everyone would stop doing it. Like no one wants to do this. No no one thinks it has redeeming value. It's just that people cannot help themselves. It is the ultimate catnip of the of football uh writing. That's all it is, is just People cannot help themselves. Well, we've I, been long time anti-draft analysis, anti-draft prediction. Um, although that's been related mostly to the MLS Super Draft. Um, not quite as I guess the difference between the yeah. NFL draft is like you can actually find video of those players on television. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll extend it. You know, mock drafts bad. We don't there's like. Got them. there's got to be somewhere where. This maybe this is the hook for like the next growth of of any of someone's business. I mean, I'm just giving out money, business ideas to people here. But is that can I just get video of all the like when they do the little warm ups in their pennies on the side before they go in? <laughs> you know, like that's the video that you use with every single player, rather than like real video of them doing awesome <laughs> athletic stuff and scoring goals. I just want them like doing the like high knees on the sideline as they do their silly little warm ups sometimes. And so. That's that's, they put that with every single player that could be drafted and then get like MLS's version of Mike Mayock to just be like, look at his knees. Look at, look, look at, look at, look at the, the athleticism. Angle. He's so limber in his calves. That's he didn't right. touch a That's single cone moving yeah. out there on the sideline. It's unbelievable. Look how the far body control. parallel he's getting with his knee. Uh, yeah, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for all of Fly it. I, I mean, trust me, I, I felt like I've definitely done a lot a lot dumber things when we talked about, I mean, there was a point in time where we were, I I was not, I I didn't partake in this totally, but there was an actual judging of Joe Burrow's gate on a team slow motion video through the parking lot after when he was like three months post ACL. And I'm like, like, I don't know. And then it was like, but he's, and he's wearing shorts in the winter and judging is what does that mean? Does that mean he needs more? Like we we have to turn off the internet. Just have you ever tried turning it off and turning it back on? Like, we just have to. We, I, I we, think were, the, we were oh, we were please. joking about the MLS Super Draft that it would be really really funny because like by the time you get down to like the third and fourth round, there's no video of any of these people being drafted. There's also no of fourth your, round. Well, whatever. <laughs> but like when you get just to pick some guy six weeks ahead of the draft that's playing in like Central Montana. And like start a website and just start hyping this guy. Yeah. And say, I'm an MLS draft expert. I'll do your podcast. The yeah. guy you really need to watch out for is Keith Thomas. He's a midfielder in central Montana. If you can find the footage, this guy will change your life. 
and just yeah. see if we can get some random dude drafted with like the, the final pick of the draft. <laughs> I <laughs> I the like idea that none of these GMs have seen any of these people either. They're just reaching for names. I mean, have you ever paid attention to the backgrounds of the baseball draft when it's like <laughs> it's literally like people drafting their neighbors and their like kids' son to make them feel good? People that have no, absolutely no shot of ever doing anything. I've known because like at one point I covered high school baseball and there was like a couple of kids were like, I'm going to get drafted yeah, at a high school. And, and they'd be like round 47. And it would be like, you know, Oh, there's a, uh, you know, there's, Castellini's kid just got picked and then there's like <laughs> and Castellini's neighbor got picked with the next pick and then and it kept going on and I'm like oh man this is a tough scene for Clinton's store I really thought, <laughs> really thought this was going to be for him and so, uh, just, uh, but it's crazy the stuff that happens the bat like baseball is the wildest it, when you when you if you are ever want to pay attention to the last few rounds and like just do a backstory on each pick to like how the hell that happened Remember when Le- I remember LeBron used to like have his buddies play on uh, Cleveland summer league team. I don't yeah. know if this is still a thing that happens, but um, when he jumped to Miami, a friend of mine was a uh, diehard Chicago Bulls fan. And the line that he was con- that he was pushing really hard was that LeBron would have gone to Chicago, but they wouldn't let his friends play on the summer league team. <laughs> And I was like, man, I would let his friends play on the summer league team. I, I'd let his friends play on the regular team. I'd sign every Antitone Kumpo if I could get Giannis. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just go, oh. over to, go over to Athens. Like, your name sounds close enough. Come on. You want to play hoops? Let's, go, let's do this. Giannis, like, this is not my brother. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, shut up and get in there. Shut Score up. points. <laughs> playing with you. Yeah. Your third cousin twice removed. This yeah, is the lady like, from the my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> power forward oh god i i think draft season for the nfl is transfer season for soccer like this is where people start doing all of the like for fans anyway it's a lot of like wish fulfillment like they're wishing for these players to come to their team it's a lot of fantasy element to this i i think it's a lot of like they're playing FIFA with their with their favorite soccer teams. I think that's the equivalent there for for the NFL. You're not going to make me talk about Everton, are you? Because I can't do it right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm an I'm an Everton person. It's been a real. It's we've been scuffling a bit, yeah, scuffling a bit in recent years, just surviving relegation. But the transfer period has always been truly awful from an Everton point of view, because not only do they spend in the worst way possible, then they do so in so recklessly that they like lose points in future years. Like, and, and then they always bring somebody in who like, totally tanks the one little bit of momentum that they had. And then they go all the way down to almost the end of relegation and then fight it off at the last second. And it's like, it's all be stop. Just stop. (laughs) Everyone stop where you're at. Okay. And like put all the things down. Don't try to make moves because being an Everton fan has turned into, I picked Everton about 12 years ago when everyone was sort of picking teams because I wanted somebody outside of the big six and 
that would at that point in time was young and fun and scored a lot of goals. They had Lukaku, they had Ross Barkley, they had Tim Howard. I was like, I want to find like a good American. And so we had Tim Howard and I was like, this is great. Oh, wait, they haven't been relegated like ever. This perfect. I just wanted to stay in the league. There there was a friend at a Ryan house um, who we had who what liked Villa and Villa um, was notably not in the Premier League at that point, they'd been set down and he had his poor, he had to bring his computer and sit in the corner and watch it while we all drink and watch it on the big screen. And I was like, I just don't want to be that. Okay. So, so give me a team that can be fun and young and score goals, not in the big six and won't make me be that. And that's how I ended up with Everton. And now I, I have visions of him on the computer every single year in week 38 or whatever. And I'm like, Oh God, please don't make me have to pull the computer out. Like I just don't want it to be like that. And so uh, it's, uh, it's been, I'm glad you didn't like make me go into the Everton land, even though I went there by myself. No, I I will say uh, I am also an Everton fan. We have a very similar story here. I, I probably predate you a couple of years. I I really picked them when Landon Donovan went there on loan. Yep. yep. Um, So yeah, that, uh, yeah, it's been rough. I will say though, I don't, we haven't touched on this in the pod. Uh, Everton gets hit with one breach of financial rules and lost 10 points. They're about to get hit with one other rule. So that's two rules. They're probably going to lose 20 points. Manchester City has been facing 115 (laughs) counts for like five years. Yes. And just insane. Just insane. They should lose a point per charge just for the waiting period yeah. <laughs> there i mean it's it's ridiculous don't don't i mean i don't want to go down that yeah. road of what's happening to them uh but I, I i do love that at every now i don't i don't know enough about what i'm about to say about the mls that's what we every, do <laughs> every other level of soccer i've ever paid attention to is wildly corrupt and it makes it so fun <laughs> Like well, you're gonna, I have some great news for you about MLS too. So. <laughs> just they follow if you, right if you wanna, line with everybody else. Yeah, just just look south of Miami. You'll find all the corruption oh, you yeah. need down there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Team, team Apple, right? Isn't that uh, pretty much what it is? That MLS is. is corrupt in like a nerdy, annoying way. Yeah. <clears throat> like if you try ever tried to understand like the Enron scandal, that's like kind of the way that MLS is is annoying. If you've like read the smartest guys in the room or, yes. you know, versus the term like, mark to market accounting yeah. versus like the rest of the soccer, like we're the Enron scandal in MLS. The rest of the soccer world is more like the Billy McFarlane type <laughs> yeah. of scandal yeah. where it's very easily recognized as a scam. Yeah. <laughs> like it's bags of cash and trunks of cars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apartments for cats. Yeah. Yeah. Can, we got to have Selena Gomez explain what's going on in MLS. <laughs> what's what's Sepp Blatter up to these days, by the way? Can we like locate him? Ooh, I just yeah. assumed he got disappeared for being found out that like the only sin you can commit disappeared. The only sin you can commit in international <laughs> soccer is letting anyone else in on the grift. Like the dude in New York that had an apartment for his cat. He died like immediately after that came out. <laughs> yeah. Chuck, Chuck Blazer was an informant. No, Sepp has actually taken a very funny role here uh, since he's been ostracized. He will occasionally do interviews where he mocks uh Johnny Infantino and I talks you were about say he does mock drafts. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what a great turn. 
This is such a great thing where he where he mocks you. are not going to believe this. Caleb Williams to the Bengals. <laughs> Soak her up. He's got this weird deal where we're going to send a package trade for Justin Jefferson. It doesn't make sense. But... It's total clickbait. He has Michael Penix as the number one overall. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, well, so Seth Blatter did. Uh, well, he was in that documentary on Netflix. Yeah. He agreed to be interviewed for, interviewed for the for the documentary for the Super League. Yeah. Yeah, and he also um commissioned a movie about himself where he was played by Tim Roth. Love it. And he was the star of uh <laughs> you know, essentially like every there was all this corruption around him at FIFA, but he brought you know, he brought it into the light or something. Is there anything more corrupt than I'm going to make a movie about how I'm not corrupt? <laughs> yes, yes, I can answer that. What's what's more corrupt than that? And that's that also seeking financing from the nation of Azerbaijan to make that movie. Oh, that's right. It was funded by Azerbaijan. <laughs> Who ended up hosting, didn't they end up hosting like Champions League final or something? Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing yeah. how that worked out. They hosted yeah. Champions League final and <laughs> Armenian star player Mikatarian was Couldn't not go. able to play in the final because they ban all Armenians from entering their country. <laughs> Guys, I have a great plan for how the U.S. can win the World Cup in 2026. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. I, I think Sepp Blatter, if you, I think he should make a... like. All these guys are now, you know, Messi's showing up here now. You had all that. Everybody's coming over. Sepp Blatter comes over as his swan song to soccer to be commissioner of MLS. And that's that's the And then we just wait and see what happens next. Right. Like it's they're going to they're going to move all the teams to, you know, like South America or something. It'd be great. I think Blatter's a cool dude, to be honest. Like he like he has fun with it. Yeah, like he's, he's not the only corrupt person. But he like puts himself in front of the camera. Looks like he's having a good time. <laughs> like Yanni Infantino, the reason they like him is not because he's like not, you know, moving moving bags of money along. It's that he looks like, you know, a middle manager while he's doing it. Yeah, it's very it's very clean cut. Bladder's FIFA was definitely way more fun. It was bags of cash in Trinidad. Uh, hotels and things like that. That's hookers and blow, you know, just we, the best way. <laughs> we do need to bring MLS up to this level, though. I think that's what people are missing when they want Major League Soccer to make that step up into European soccer. Is that we really are asking for, yeah, Sepp Blatter's swan song in the yeah. administrative role. I think you nailed it there. Yeah, something, anything like that. Just <laughs> can we be more corrupt? Like, join the rest of the soccer world, okay? Just, just bring it to the next level. <laughs> I think I don't see a fault in this argument, honestly. Like it's you know, like no wonder no one in the world doesn't respect this league. Okay. Well, well, no, like sports are all about fundamentally finding your niche. It's like okay, nobody really wants to watch the Mid American Conference, but you name it Maction, and you appeal to degenerate gamblers on a Wednesday night. All of a sudden, you've got a product. Here in America, we're really lacking in that truly openly corrupt sport. Ever since boxing kind of you know lost its shine a little bit. I think America really is crying out for a sport where they're not totally convinced it's on the up and up. Yes. <laughs> you know the way you get respect. It's like any mob movie when the mobster finds out that his underlings aren't kicking up. He always makes the point. It's not about the money, right? It's about the respect. Yes. So like MLS needs to be kicking up more. That's how you get respect. I love it. 
I need um I what I always what I liked is another thing that's very uh American is somebody does has a novel different idea that works a little bit and then someone does a half-assed version of that and so like <laughs> i liked when the sun belt was making the fun belt run you remember did you remember this yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna play the next day okay you guys yeah. oh you guys are playing on tuesday we're gonna be call ourselves the fun belt and we're gonna play on wednesday hey who's with me right right <laughs> and like <laughs> everyone's like oh I don't know. And you know who you know who caused this? You know who caused, you know whose fault this is? In sync. All right. They were the second ones to come along after the Backstreet Boys, and then they were the most popular. Somehow I made balloons pop up on my screen. <laughs> Amazing. That's an incredible visual joke that no one else will appreciate. No, not a soul will get it, but for some reason, I don't know why balloons just popped up on my screen when I mention it. The mere mention it. Let me see if it works again. In sync. Huh? Nope, nothing uh, this no, time. No. I thought, and it's like an angel gets its wings, right? Like you should. <laughs> they, it's it's they the Lance ruined Bass this for everyone. <laughs> now everyone does the half-assed version, thinking they're going to be the better one, and, and and then it ends up just ruining it for everybody. That's I just assume that the Mac sent like hitmen to buy off various yeah. people to stop this from happening. It's like, no, you're invading. It's you know, like very mob. You're invading on our turf. You're not paying us the proper amount of protection money. This is you know, our family controls. Degenerate gambling college football on weeknights. You can't get involved in this right now. Mid-American Conference hires Sepp Blatter as new commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The Mid-American has stayed like the most pure of yeah, no all doubt. of the the so college good. athletics. It's funny how that works because, yeah, like Maction is – a joke, right? Like it's it's a it's no, it's a mock. Not at like, all. I mean, oh, sure. Maxion pays the bar bills in the fall. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's openly was like the first one to like truly court gambling in the U.S. before the legal gambling. It is very funny that they they somehow managed to maintain their soul, and the Big Ten is going to be in Southern California and the Pacific Northwest, and man. Well, I mean, we're, ta we're, we're talking to a proud uh, alum of the fighting uh, Robert Katz of Ohio University here. I, I was just going to say, I was like, I don't I don't know if you've been to any of the Mid-American Conference campuses, but integrity was gone a long time ago. Okay? <laughs> like we, <laughs> and I say that as a you're right, a very, very proud Ohio University Bobcat and a visitor of Athens. Uh, it's a uh, there's there's a reason. There's a reason that they're willing to go places that no one else would. <laughs> Tuesday night. Tuesdays are Fridays in Athens. Right. The CI is open. Everything's going to be OK. Oh, it's all open. <laughs> so I got to I got to ask, I know that, you know, full disclosure, Paul and I have known each other for a number of years. That's how we get a guest of his magnitude on our dumb little show. Um, my question for you, Paul, is as we have sat here over the last couple of days and sub-zero freezing temperatures and a mm. deluge of cold rain. Is there any small part of you that wishes you had never left that idyllic life of being a sports reporter in Key West, Florida? Oh, you are. You Ooh. went there. You know what's fun? I was just telling somebody about this today um, because like a bunch of coaches and players all were taking vacations and, and some had gone down there. And I was like, I, I had a rule at one point that I I have to go like when I when I met my wife I said we we have to go back there every five years because I lived there for two and a half years, um, but it was like my second job out of school, 
third if you count bartending for a year like we all do just trying to figure it out just trying i'm just trying to figure out life mom and dad i swear i'm gonna get it together and but, but eventually i really didn't figure it out because i ended up racking up a significant amount of credit card debt in key west florida as one does uh, but I, you know, it was great. I was working for the Key West Citizen newspaper. I was covering high school baseball, which is absurd down there, and um, fishing tournaments and wow. offshore speedboat racing and all kinds of weird stuff. You just never and and I absolutely for that time and place in my life. I'm you know 25 to 27 to spend those years. You know, without any responsibility outside of keep find a way to keep this job and live down there. And uh, and my one of my best friends from college didn't have anything going for him. And so he he was living in Boise, Idaho. And I said, guess what? I got a job in Key West. And he said, all right, I'm, I'm flying home tomorrow. And he would <laughs> he flew home. He lived on my couch for a year and a half. We just like <laughs> he end up, he ends up meeting his wife down there. They're married. They've got two kids now. Uh, but it was like. It was the perfect setup, and I, 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 that place is heaven on earth, as far as I am concerned, and uh, I, I regret it. But here's here's the story about leaving, is that it sounds great. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, why would you? Why would you ever leave? Like that's just insane." And I agree with you. And when you work in any job of of any kind of professionalism down there of which there's not a ton it's mostly hospitality and you know maybe drug dealing hooking i don't know there's a lot <laughs> happening in this but if you have any kind of a real job at a certain point like you have to make a decision after about two years do you want to continue to live like this do you think your body can continue to live like this and some people say yes i believe it can and i met them and they're awesome they live down there and they were i worked with them they'd been there for 25 years they had incredible tans they were quite withered but they were they were really still they they loved they loved life that was their life or so that's one side or the other side is that have aspirations and try to want to be something bigger, maybe potentially than just uh, living down there. And I chose the latter and I, I've rethought that decision pretty much every day since. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but it, it turned out to be worth it. But uh, I yeah, it was uh, it was an unbelievable time. And that place is always special to me. So you so covered it, you covered fishing tournaments down there. How oh, yeah. big are you familiar with the the recent fishing scandal about people stuffing weights oh, into the yes. fish? They, what, how big of a story would that be? Front page in Key West <laughs> News if there was that kind of a fishing scandal, or would yeah, you be below like, the fold? You know, here's here's how that rolls on the Key West citizen. That would be that would start. I mean, when it first breaks, it's front. No, no question. It's one a <laughs> then after a couple of days, it moves to the sports section top above the fold. Then it just every day is down the side of the sports section. The latest <laughs> update just one skinny column of the latest every day on the weights, which is an amazing story, by the way. It's one of my one of my favorites is the, the concept of doing that. But uh, yeah, no, I that would that would have been a. That's that's top. That's that's top. I had to give these fishing reports like, you know, it's like any early job. I mean, there was two of us working three in the sports department down there. 
And so if you're on that night, like you got to do all the things. And so most, a lot of nights I would have to do a fishing report, which consisted of calling these insanely drunk fishing captains and ask them how it went today at like five (laughs) o'clock. And and they'll just be like, oh yeah, you know, the the snapper were really biting on the reef. And I'm like, snapper, reef. (laughs) Typing away. And I I had to find a way to crank out like 250 words of whatever these people told me. The payoff was they would take you out on their boat for free to go fishing. And I'm not a fishing person necessarily, but I do enjoy going out on boats. Uh, And so it was, there was a lot, I I took advantage of it, but I got to tell you, there was a lot of me like being like, look, I'm not here to make things up, but I can't understand what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) You you need to be more intelligible or I'm going to go full on uh, sideline reporter just making this quote up and saying it was a great way to bite things. that I mean, there's there's no question. No, no, there's no there's no quotes involved. I could that, I'm not I'm taking that risk. Uh, I'm not taking that risk. Uh, but it was great. It was it was it was a unique experience. It was fun. Is it then insulting or exciting that we may be getting a Margaritaville resort coming to the greater Cincinnati area? It's that's fine. I I, I will take anything that claims to produce the Key West vibe uh, almost anywhere. I mean, it's just like, look, it. I don't care what the name of a place is. If they're like, our theme is you can get drunk anytime you want to for as and as drunk as you want to and have a just go do do anything. We don't care. Like I support that. I don't care what the name of it is. And uh, so I, I have I have zero problem in Margaritaville is fine it's it's actually most frowned upon probably in key west maybe not anymore since rest in peace jimmy buff but like it's at that time it was like uh it's like this is they were a little locals were a little ashamed Mm. of of the idea that like jimmy buffett invented this place because they're like it's been awesome since before jimmy buffett sang a song sir um so they (laughs) took it a little personal um but they inevitably it was a love affair of you know he did promote them and do a pretty good job for their tourism industry so with that so are you saying now to in case anyone in your family is listening to this and god forbid like i'm so sorry if that's the case Boy, is a margaritaville not. gift card now an acceptable gift for you <laughs> <laughs> probably not i gotta say i don't think i've ever stepped foot inside of any margaritaville including the two and a half years i i lived in key west that I, I don't think i've 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 turned it down a couple of times when people have suggested it, uh, but I've never actually stepped in into one. So I probably you can give it to me. It can we'll go st- in my junk drawer with the other thirty five <laughs> gift cards that I have so we'll guilt stick, over not using. Stick to the Olive Garden, then is that the message here? Well, well, obviously. I mean, come <laughs> on now. That's, I mean, that, that is the great. That is the great. That is the that is the actual gift card that uh, my. You know, you ever know like so when I when I was younger, like that was what we did when it was a nice time to go out to a fancy meal. We went to Olive Garden. That's where you went and you grow up and you move away and like your tastes evolve a little bit. You start eating at real restaurants, but like to, to my folks, like I'm always the guy that goes to the Olive Garden when it's time to go out to eat. And so when it's time to like give a gift and they're just kind of out of ideas, I would always get Olive Garden gift cards. So I end up with like a stack like this tall of Olive Garden gift cards. And I needed to just like take a group of 21 time just so I could try to use the ball, you know, because they, they pile up so quickly. It actually makes me very happy now whenever I whenever I get another one and inside of a card or something like that. I love it. 
there's a guy I know who's who's never going to listen to this. So I don't care if I blow a spot up where he had a friend that was studying for some big exam, like a CPA exam or something like that. And they were living up in Columbus at the time. And his friend said, hey, we know you've been, you know, busting your ass to study for this. If you pass this, we all got to go out and celebrate. I got reservations at, at Jeff Ruby's up in Columbus. We're going to go and we're going to celebrate. And he failed. So they canceled the reservations because they didn't want to celebrate. So he took the test again. They're like, hey, you understand this is the second time. We're still going to go out and do dinner, but we're not doing Jeff Ruby's this time. We got reservations at the Capitol Grill. So we're going to celebrate. And he failed again. So when he went to take the test the third time, they're like, hey, we still going to celebrate if you pass. But this time, it's your third time. We got reservations at Red Lobster. So he passes. And they went to Red Lobster and racked up like a couple thousand dollars worth of a bill, like ordering bottle service at the Red Lobster. And since then, in his friend group, Red Lobster has been the place you celebrate a mediocre life achievement. Like you finalize a divorce. The friend group goes to Red Lobster. Like you get a you avoid being laid off as they're doing a reduction force at your company. We're going to Red Lobster to celebrate. (laughs) It's, It's not actually a celebration. It's like we should do something, but it's not worthy of an actual decent restaurant or a good night out cheddar bay biscuits it's like a mix of happiness and sadness yeah yeah it's, it's to mark the occasion it's not That's to right. celebrate <laughs> oh, then, so Paul, i gotta know you're you're in key west you speak of grand opportunities what was the job that got you out of there uh oh well i went <laughs> i moved i moved to albany georgia um, I'm properly, but it's, it looks like Albany, but it's okay. Albany, uh, in, in Southwest Georgia. And I covered, I did high schools for a year. Then I covered UGA football for like two seasons. Um, no Sean Moreno, Matt Stafford era. They were really good. They were number one for a while. Yeah. And then like Nick Saban came along and just squashed everything in the sec at that point. Um, but it was fun. Like I, it was a great opportunity for me to, to kind of, I mean, it was a little bit more high profile than Friday nights at Rex Weech Field for Key West High School baseball. They are the 11 time <laughs> state champs of Florida, so I don't want to demean them. But I would say between the hedges had a slightly bigger feel. Um, and so that was helpful. Uh, but yeah, I, so I, that was kind of the move. It's funny. And I don't mean to go into like, I mean, it's we're in a sad month and really a month, uh, you know, uh, like a sad decade for the journalism industry. But like at that time, you know, there was a thought that in the back of the day, you would you would go from a small, you start a small paper, you'd move to a middle, you get up to a higher and you just move your way up. And that's kind of the way it went. And while I was in the middle of that process, I thought, and then the entire industry was like, you know, we're kind of done doing all that. <laughs> we think we're going to just eliminate jobs instead of having people move up in them and then we'll just see if anything's left at the end or if it's just a pile of rubble and people screaming like ah here here and so the problem was i i kind of felt i got stuck in albany um because i i had done you know i'd covered some nice stuff i felt like i was really ready to do even bigger things at a bigger place, but bigger places all were then now going under. And so it was a really tough spot. And that's, um, th- that's how I got back to Cincinnati though. Cause I finally said, well, I got one last swing left and I started working, working is the loose term with at C Natty, which was C Trent Rosecrans's DIY journalism outfit, uh, 
which was like really the athletic before the athletic. Um, hmm. It was kind of ahead of its time because people didn't know how to give money. We were like, it was like Kickstarter or, and GoFundMe stuff because people weren't doing things like subscriptions. Um, but it was just, hey, come. I, I told him I'd come work for free. He told me not to do it. I said, I don't care. I'm coming anyway. And I covered, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I said, this is all I got. I said, I'm, I, I'm good enough to do this job. I just, I want to, and I want to do it in Cincinnati. And this is my, my way to try to make it happen. And so I did that for like a year before I was able to start latching on and kind of coming up, moving up a little bit in Cincinnati, but it was kind of scary, a kind of a scary path. And I, I kept thinking though, and during that the whole time, I'm like, I could have just stayed in Key West <laughs> and I could have been withering away in happiness, like all the rest of them. Instead, here I am like working for free and trying to spend nights bartending at Great Wolf Lodge. It was just, it was tough, tough times. But we made our way out of it, thankfully. I, I had this theory for a really long time that where the newspaper industry kind of screwed up was that when the internet came around, they gave their product away for free because they didn't really yeah. understand what to do with it. And they were like, oh, well, you know, we're still in the business of selling papers and selling ad space and selling the Sunday circular. And we don't care about the internet. This is just another way to get you to subscribe to the paper. And then when the internet took off and they were like, uh, we actually need to charge for this now, people were like, absolutely not. We don't pay for things on the internet. And that that was sort of, when you talk about what changed in the industry, it feels like that was the inflection point in my lifetime when, oh, I don't need to go buy a paper. I can just go online and read it for free. And they've they have constantly struggled with how to find that monetization space since then, which is kind of why, you know, I know you work for The Athletic now. The sort of genius with that, if there you can say genius, is that it's sort of the first thing that figured out a way to make people pay to a certain extent, whereas mm -hmm. most people are very comfortable just being like, eh, if I have to pay for it, I'm going to go find something else. Yeah, it was it was the return. It was the return of the, the paper through a magazine model almost, you know, I mean, and it was, look, we're going to create something that you you do need that you are addicted to because it has been given away for free. We're going to hire all these writers, you know, we're going to and we're going to have them do stuff that that you can't find anywhere else. And we're going to make you pay for it. And we know you will because we see the way you are comfortable paying for things now. And they predicted that accurately. And I thought, you know, I, I do think those guys were genius. Adam Hansman, a local guy who started yep. it out of St. Xavier. Um, and I, I think that they were absolute visionaries. I mean, and I still can't believe the Times bought them for $550 million. I mean, that's how that's that's how big this vision was. That's and it just started with, with a couple of guys with that idea of like, you know, you've got to get back to the new, to it mattering, you know, and people being willing to pay for that. Um, and it's cool. And, and, and I think there's a lot of hope now that the times can grow it to be more, even more global. We're like hooked up with Apple news now. And, and so you can kind of become that thing that people are now willing to pay for it. And it's truly the essential stuff. The The point that you're talking about, though, that I thought along with that, everyone lost their way was that in that process was a lot of people then going elsewhere for information and for news and not valuing credible 
information and news. And then you saw the rise of disinformation because people stopped caring about whether they knew it was true or not half the time or that it came that it had sourcing and it was credible and it was from people who are trained on this and they were and I'm not here to like stand up and fight against the bloggers. It's not like that at all. It's it's about like people stopped really caring about that credibility because it just became it just fell off and they were just laying people off and they didn't matter for that. They weren't they weren't still held in high esteem as paper of record, so to speak. And and that that obviously has set off so much uh, everywhere. So but that's a weird journalism diatribe that I go in that deep wormhole because it's it's uh, late late on a on a Tuesday night. <laughs> and the L.A. Times laid off 100 plus people today. Mm-hmm. And it's like just another just another circle <laughs> of the drain, unfortunately. And that kind of that kind of yeah. coincided with like. People seeking out instead of like news informational articles seeking out you know commentary and Mm. other things and you know a lot of a lot of that probably is related to the fact that when a lot of news articles were behind paywalls you could go to one of the blogs that would kind of aggregate the article right and they would just intersperse their their commentary with it so you'd get it would be a way to get that information, but it's like also kind of infected with that non-informational aspects, you know? Takes. Yeah. Yeah. It takes. Yeah. Covered in takes yeah. and, 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 and their version of whatever they think is going on. I mean, shows like, like takes, first, but I mean, but shows, <laughs> shows that yeah. like just accentuated all that shows like first right. take like PTI and around the horn and like, and that, and, and those shows are great. They've been great for sports that so don't get me wrong. And largely because they've used reputable people, but then the, like the domino effect of the, again, the lesser version of those thanks in sync. <laughs> we're gonna do a half-assed version of this and then a half-assed version of that oh guess what we can still get the same amount of dumb clicks even though we don't know anything and we'll do an even more cheaper half-assed version of it and then you end up in a whole in, in a kind of a world of that the athletic is trying to kind of regain that from a sports side um but it's hard i mean the cat feels so far out of the bag it's like everyone is just trying to figure out any way to swim right now you know it's like i think everyone's kind of guessing and hoping i i i do think having being involved in a in a true investment in content and subscription model is the only way out i mean in my personal opinion not and i'm not in the boardrooms and seeing the numbers and i you know i all that stuff but i mean I've always felt the places that actually invested in the content um, have always survived far more than the ones that think they're going to just like, you know, bare bones their way to the top. Okay. Just yeah, you're not, you're not going to do more with less. Like no one does. It's never going to happen. Not covering city hall is not going to make you a more valuable entity. Like, and that seemed that has been the dumb newspaper model for since this since they've started down this crisis world rather than cut everything that's not content creation okay and and having quality content creation focusing on that and and have that be your true investment rather than all the other bs but that's what happens when you have old newspaper tycoons who are just like greedy CEOs keeping $40 million salaries for themselves and laying off half their newsrooms. I mean, it's just, 
that's what it is. That's what old newspaper is. And and that's why they were only going to be toppled by some people with an, a, a totally different version and not that at the top. Because it feels like the cheapest way for for this to happen is what we've seen. And that's that it's all breaking news, which requires very little actual journalism skill to cover breaking news. Like, mm-hmm. like God, lo- I'm not going to say that. That's that might be mean, but like so it's overstating, I, but it's overstating. Yeah. But like the idea that like, OK, like Adam Schefter has four phones. He's incredible at what he does. But at the end of the day, what Adam Schefter does is he's fed information and he's the, the goal is to be first. And there's no critical analysis of it. And if he's not first, he just adds an additional fact from someone else so that he can be credited on the ESPN bottom line as being first. So, you know, you just add that extra thing like expected to report on Tuesday after the trade is completed or it's just takes like you said. And that middle ground of like actually reporting and having in-depth analysis of what's happening and sourcing material that's where the loss was for everything because it's easy to be just breaking news and just uncare uncritically reporting this just happened and it's real easy just to have a fiery take about something but actually talking to someone and finding out what's going on that's where the lack of investment i think has killed journalism and sports journalism yeah. and that's I the would, stuff we're not going to find out otherwise yeah. you know like yeah. a like a like a free agent signing that's a breaking <laughs> news like we're going to get a team press release in 10 minutes like i'm not downplaying the kinds of relationships that these guys, you know, necessarily develop. It takes a lot of work, but like it's, you know, you're, you're beating a press release in some, in some respects, but like the in-depth stuff that, that takes, you know, your footwork and your time and provides us insights and information that we can't get from a press release and can't get ourselves. And nobody's going to make up on a take show. Yeah, and that's the harder stuff. That's we're missing a lot of that. I, I the one thing I mean, when I started kind of full time on the Bengals beat at the Inquirer, um, one thing that was still really a, a part of sort of the drumbeat there was was breaking news and being first. And 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 I kind of stood up and said, look, I if I'm going to be in control of this beat, I, I don't care about that. And I and I don't want you to take that the wrong way. I under, I understand the people that that do. I don't care about being five seconds before anybody else. I want to have the deeper story. That I want to have the the analysis that my relate. I'm, I'm going to use my relationships to create something that is far deeper and insight of why something and how something happened, rather than making sure I tweet it five seconds, spending all my effort trying to tweet something five seconds before anybody else. Everyone's going to know. No one knows who broke anything. Like, name the biggest sports story in the last three, you know, who broke Messi coming to MLS? I don't know. Does anybody know who was first? No one freaking cares. I think okay? Messi was first, actually. I think he right. put a, I think he put like a video <laughs> and on And that's how it's happening now more often. Anyway, you see the, the, the people that are the players and athletes that are more savvy with this stuff just break the news themselves anyway. But back even back then, I mean, it was like, that's great. Do I want to be in front of something? Sure. If, but it, the dumbest thing I could do was tweet something to be first and not have a story attached to it that I have background on what happened, how it went down and what's next. And I'm certainly uh, being an idiot if I don't even consider saving that and have even more stuff. As long as I have a bunch of insight into how something went down, like you mentioned free agency, 
My favorite thing I was able to do last year was after the Bengals signed Orlando Brown, I everybody was like firing out this, firing out that. And I spent I spent five days talking to every single person that was involved in how that went down and putting it all together. And for a true trying to create like a true behind the scenes of how this left tackle was like the biggest surprising move in the history of Bengals and free agency. Like how the hell did this happen? And the story was wild. Like the, what I, what I knew of it, I, I could have shoved some of the stuff that I knew out immediately when he signed. I knew that, but I was like, this is better if I, I want to keep building it. I want to keep building it. And then to be able to have the full encapsulated story that nobody else had was to me, like what everyone should be trying to do. And I'm not saying that to like toot my own. Word. I just feel like that's the essence, like you said, of what's missing in so much stuff is like not being so obsessed with quick and first and tweets or whatever's it's like, try, give me some substance, give me something that I don't know and, Let me and, learn something. and show me something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, that's why I always say, if I, I don't try to ever publish anything. And I know I did do a, reaction to a mock draft <laughs> but i don't try to ever publish anything where i don't feel like i can that i there is something to be learned from and it's something that i is not really out there necessarily um yeah. that's kind of my take on it um on 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 all of that but again i i mean we're, we're all kind of we're all kind of screwed so no, no, uh, no bullshit. Like about two minutes before you brought it up, I just pulled up that Orlando Brown story. Yeah, because I because rem- I, I just it just popped in my head as like a yeah. great example because I read it when it came out last year and I really I really I, I thought it was great. Well, and they you do. Know, and the thing is, like, people want, people want what they want. They want clicks. We need subscribers. We need all those things. It's probably my most well-performing story I've I've written here, and that's. That's because that's what people freak like they respond to that, that, you know, you can you can create clicks and you can create subscriptions out of, you know, tropes and this and that and quick stuff and, and all those things. And, and and that's out there. And like, you know what, you can do fine and people want it. But like the true difference making stuff is what really moves the freaking needle for all the things that any boss of any news place would want and they just you know unfortunately have to kind of have it beat over their head sometimes in some places that that is actually what you should be doing is that investment in that kind of content but just there's just the the instant gratification world will just never allow it they just they just can't think that we're not getting the thing now that we have to have immediately. And, and so they just constantly, you know, nip at the cheese and then we know what happens there. Yeah. I've, I've always appreciated. It does seem like the, the athletic playbook is exactly that. Like the headline is free, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can know that this, this thing is happening with the, the, the news item itself is never behind the paywall, but you pay for the analysis, for the breakdown, for the story, for the interviews, for the quotes. And I, I've always appreciated that because I, I, we've seen that with soccer coverage where the news tries to get put behind the paywall. And I, I don't think that works because you'll always get beat by the person who then just reads that and tweets it. Right. You've got to have something substantial behind it, backing it up. I'm curious. It's a similar issue, but I'm curious if you have a have a take on this. My biggest pet peeve, especially in the NFL world right now, are fake human content 
aggregators. And I'll throw out two <laughs> names in particular. Are you really do? Are you you're obviously setting me up on this. You know, I, you know, you know what you're doing here, right? I I mean, go ahead, it, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I, if I'm walking into a trap or what, no, I, I don't know what trap. he's doing. No, okay, it's great. <laughs> no, it's War- great. No, you you have no idea how right on you are. Go ahead. Oh, good. Uh, there's two names in particular that always bug me. It's Warren Sharp and Dove Kleiman. I think there is he the is. names. Those are I I did the whole <laughs> too. You said Dove Kleiman's name. He's everywhere. It's Dove Kleiman and In Sync. I'm noticing he, a trend. He, okay, Dove Kleiman is now going to have a tweet with a. Th- read about how you commented and these balloons came up except it's going to say that they were real balloons and that we all you know that they were i, I don't i don't want to go down it would be slightly level. wrong but just you enough to yeah you, please you mentioned dove climate so this uh, it was like about this time last year so i wrote a piece that was essentially a timeline of the Bengals off season and kind of a, a little bit of a analysis of the major decisions they had to make some some thoughts from decision makers on where they stood on some of it at least reading between tea leaves on things it was clearly positioned as such this was a this is kind of my thoughts on where a lot of these decisions could go one of them was t higgins going into the offseason and i and i outlined very clearly Okay, here are the things they could do with T. Like he's now extension eligible. They could try to do an extension with him. Uh, they could try to they could trade him. There's been precedents for that where you you trade a guy who's about to about to be gone and, and unhappy with a contract. AJ AJ Brown had a similar situation. You can let him play it out. You can you know, and it was like and and it was just po- running through the different options that they had. This is something they could do, right? I mean. Three or four days after it comes out, all of a sudden, it's like a Friday afternoon. I'm just trying to start my off-season weekend, and I am getting blown up. And I'm like, what the hell is ha- – I don't even know what's happening. What What is going on? And someone directs me to this Dove Kleinman thing about how the Bengals are going to trade T. Higgins, and Paul Daner says that is the case. And it's like this whatever, and he like – Pulls some one line out of 400 words or something. Oof. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Do I, what, what do you do? Do you attack this person? Do I point out he's, this is ridiculous and engage in Twitter beef was, was like my number one rule to never do never engage when something is going sideways on the internet. Right. I and missed so, that lesson. Damn it. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I, we've all seen it go bad. And so I'm just like, I don't. And so, well, but this dude, I mean, this is, I'm getting killed out here. Like these, this dude is, is, is totally. So I essentially had to pull from behind the paywall. I screenshotted the entire section and subtweeted him with, in case anybody's wondering, this is the real story that he pulled from that does not say, I, I don't know what I called it. Some, I, I, so I gave it some phrase about just ridiculous misrepresentation or something like that. I don't know what I came up with, but it's like, God, I mean, this is, this is insane that I have to defend this because you have idiot aggregators, like a gazillion followers that people just believe. And I I've been victim of it. Like I've seen stuff from him before and been like, Oh, that's crazy. And never looked into it. We all do. Right. And, and it's just, it's, it's ridiculous that there's a, that there's a, a megaphone for that. 
for that stuff. Yeah. And there's, and once it's out, like there's, you can't backtrack. So I have to go, I go to the combine a week later and I have to, f- and like tell everybody, and they're all like laughing about it. Cause like, we saw it, we know it, it's ridiculous, but um, you know, you, you, you face that and Drew Duke Tobin's up fielding a million T Higgins trade questions. <laughs> and I'm like, I just want to be like, I'm sorry, Duke. It really wasn't my fault, but he doesn't, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't think explaining Dove Kleinman to Duke Tobin is probably <laughs> What we, work have, well. what we need to have happen is one of my favorite things that's happened on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called today is that now on the ads that my timeline is getting fed, people are putting community notes on the ad like this product yeah. is a, a scam. Do not order it. Um, this this microtransaction game will steal your money if you download it. We just need <laughs> to get all the people on every Dove climb and tweet. This is an an aggregator behind a fake identity please view with suspicion on like every single thing that he tweets going forward yes no i mean at some point that's the only i i feel like in some people that you know that do kind of follow the news in the nfl and have for a while now know that because there's been enough instances where it's like eh, i can't really believe what this guy says i better double check it like i feel like a lot of people do that because there's just so many examples of it being terrible but um it's it's a problem. No, you're right. You're right. It's 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 very much a problem. Yeah. It's all one. The other one is Warren Sharp, which is also a fake name aggregator person identity, whatever. Uh, they have one that feels super dangerous, uh, highlighting that like the referee on the Chiefs game has a crazy win rate for the away team. And that's why the NFL put this guy on. And when you actually like break down this guy's record, it is absolutely within the norm. It was just like this year he happened to referee like three games where the home team was like a massive underdog or whatever, like none of the results actually were surprising, but it has started like a mini witch hunt. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL felt pressure to like reassign referees or something because of just nonsense like this. Like it is, it is ridiculous. Well, I mean, there, there is no stat that I can't make work for me. Right. Right, Like there's no, like you can always, you can always find a way, whatever your point is, you can search. There's just enough information out there. I can search and find some support for whatever I think. Um, and and that's the problem. Like I always, I, I like one of my favorite things to do with new, with new coaches in particular, or any coach really is nail down the stat that matters the most to them mm. that, that they feel like, because the, they'll always do this at the time. They'll always point out to the ones they're good at. I want to know, tell me the one that matters the most to you. And I'm going to hold you to that one for the duration of your time here. Uh, <laughs> because if you say you're points per drive guy, okay. Cause you're good at it now. Then guess what I'm going to be doing next year. I'm going to be tracking your points per drive and holding it over your head. Cause that's what you said matters. Or if you're a, yards per attempt or your uh, explosive plays, like I don't care what it is, like, but I love, I want to know that when I first start covering any new decision maker, what, what matters to you? What do you, what do you think you should be judged by from a statistical standpoint? And I want to, then I will weaponize that against you in the future. <laughs> Have you gotten any good ones? Is there anyone that's come up to you and said, I don't believe in stats. I'm a manalytics guy or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we do, we do fight a lot of that. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of coaches versus PFF stuff. There's a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of you don't know unless you've been in it um, that goes on. One of my favorites was Ken Zampezi, who is a very smart man. Like he is wicked smart. And and I asked him and he said, he said throws, he said completions of over 20 yards or something like that. Like that was what mattered the most. And I was just taken aback. I'd never heard anyone like say that was the key to their offense is just slinging deep balls. Like I just, <laughs> and I was, like, wow. I was like, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and say like, why and he's like yeah that's it that's what the best offenses are they just like they complete these 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 deep balls or whatever and i'm like wow he was fired uh midway through, or three games in this sense. <laughs> now, he's a very smart man but yeah, i maybe, didn't maybe, feel like he try. had quite the grasp on on maybe where nfl offense was going maybe, at that maybe, point maybe in include a check down option every so yeah. often <laughs> i don't okay, think so i don't think but... that was what mattered if you go 20 for 20 on over 20 yards, you probably won that game. So I, you might that's be onto correct. something. That's correct. That's See, correct. And that's the kind of analysis we don't put behind the paywall. If you were to go 20 for 20 on throws over 20 yards in a game, I think you're going to win the game. Uh, let me look up if anybody's won. ever lost when they've done that. You got to immediately go, oh, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, one and oh. Hey, he was totally right. Vindicated. Total yeah, vindication. That's right. That game was from, yeah, <laughs> garbage time. Um, I don't know, Paul, you've been incredibly generous. I glance over at, at the monitor here, and uh, we've blown way past whatever time I thought we would have That's with you here. Uh, oh, Chief, I, I, I feel like fun. you've, you've got you've to end it here as, as you were the one who brought him in. So um, my last question, of all the things that you're doing now, because it – the dream was to get involved in the media, get involved as a writer, move up through the ranks, move up through the newspapers, bigger markets, bigger markets. Now you find yourself as sort of a little media empire, um, <laughs> writing, podcasting. You, you got to be a little bit of everything now if you're going to be in the sports no world, content creation world. What's your favorite? Is it still writing? Is it podcasting? Is it where 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 is the love that these days for Paul Daner? Man, that's a good one. I, um, I, it changes. It, it probably depends. I, I think I really, I enjoy the podcast now because it feels the most, like it creates the most community. Um, and, and my favorite part, like I hate, <laughs> I got into the game cause you, here's, I could go on on this for a while. They, when I when I got into this, I did it because like most people that wanted to, and that was covering sports would be freaking cool, right? Like that would be awesome. That would be fun for me. What a great deal it would be for me to like go to games for my living. That sounds awesome. That's where it started. But eventually, like you realize it because we all get older, like, God, that's so selfish, you prick. You give nothing <laughs> back to the world. Like you don't you, you just, all you care about is yourself. And what I have really loved is hearing from people about how it has helped them, you know, it gotten them through tough times or seasons or made them enhance their enjoyment of sport or they share it with their friends or whatever. And nothing has brought that out more than the podcast. Like that's just been, that's just what podcasts really kind of do that. You feel like, you know, that person. And, and we've been able to create a little bit of 
a community that I feel like I know. So I do know so many of these people now and I and and I do hear from them all the time and I love the interaction and I love hearing these stories from people about how, you know, they'll send an email about, you know, it was, this was great for me during this time, or it got me through these, I was training for a marathon and they got me through these runs or whatever. Like, I don't know, but I, it, it's cool to, it, it makes it feel like the job has value beyond uh, myself, you know, and, and that's become like a, such a bigger deal for me. And so for that fact, you know, I get, I, I have the most love for the podcast because of the community that it kind of creates. And I think it, it has a better opportunity to bring value to the listener. The people now, when I can go and I can write something like the Orlando Brown story we talked about, or some draft reaction thing that I think is really good and that nobody else has. Like I, I take a ton of pride in that. I feel like I like to take pride and think that I can do, I do things in this market that nobody else really does. And I think there's a lot of people covering the Bengals that can say that about different things. That's what I like about our beat. I feel like there's a lot of people with different strengths that do things in different ways. Um, but I, I, so I take a lot of pride in doing that stuff. But as far as like, jo like joy and like what I love the most, I think, I do think the podcast has become that. I never thought that would be the case, but it's, it's been so great. The interaction that you're able to have with people doing it and it, and it, um, and, and what it kind of creates and, and builds on itself. And that's just, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of. And, and it's fun to know that maybe you did, you did some good and you didn't just go to some games. Yeah. Whenever I hear that somebody listens to this show, my first question is always why. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> Thanks, but man, I think you can find a better use of two hours on your Monday yeah. morning. <laughs> Great. Oh God. Well, no, Paul. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll we'll have links in the uh, description of the episode to follow you on Twitter. Your uh, your writing on the athletic. Uh, is there a code or a link specifically somebody can click on or use? that would give you credit specifically if they were to sign up for a subscription to The Athletic? Is there anything like that Just, we can get uh, you? Just go to any story that I have written, particularly my most recent, and uh, open it up. And if it, you hit a paywall, click subscribe right there and and I get the credit. So Boom. Perfect. Boom. There you go. You can uh, you can help me uh, feed my children. Feed my children. <laughs> <laughs> my children are still right downstairs right now waiting for dinner and it's never coming because I can't afford it unless you subscribe. <laughs> That's a good pitch. <laughs> no, seriously, they're fine. They're asleep. It's great. Oh, okay, good. good Hungry, good. but asleep. <laughs> Hungry, but asleep. That's, that's how we kill the hunger. <laughs> well, maybe we get them fed tomorrow. No, Paul, thank yeah. you so much for, for coming you. on. Thank you all for having me. It's awesome. All right, part three. This thing is already crazy long, so we will not take up too much time on this one. But no, we got a great question out of the Discord uh, from Jace of Base. Now, Jason's a good guy. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Please. You know what I'm going to thank Paul? Is that oh. the first thing we do come out of break here? Shit, we normally do. My God, yeah. I'm just, I'm on speed road right now. Right. But no, thank you to Paul. I honestly, I loved the conversation about like the media narratives, the meta narratives. I, I love that. And I personally hate the weird content aggregators Dob. posing as people. Oh my God, it's the most annoying thing in the world. No, Paul's great. Follow him if you don't already. He's the best Bengals content person you're going to find on there. Yeah. I understand some people aren't ready to go back to the Bengals yet. Yeah, fair. but 
when you when you're there, combine season, draft season, Paul's got you covered. Yeah. Be sure to tweet him and ask about his latest mock draft. He loves mock drafts. He loves as a mock we draft. as we found out. <laughs> Just keep asking, are they going to re-sign T. Higgins, too? That's always good, too. Uh, but no, back to the question that uh, that Jason offered up to us. And again, uh, I'm going to, to have an option available, probably by the time you're listening to this, for anybody submitting on the Patreon to submit the question you are entitled to for the podcast. Uh, we'll have that option up there. So if you subscribe, that's great. Uh, you can ask fun questions like this. Jason asked us, what is on our Mount Rushmore of sporting events? That's not what he asked. He asked, what's the bucket list? Our bucket list. Sorry. I'm saying Mount Rushmore. I don't like bucket list. Bucket list is very negative. It's like, I don't want to think about my own impending death. That's, That's hard enough. So, like, <laughs> life, life, like, being an FC Cincinnati fan is tough enough without having to contemplate the struggle and, like, a mortal existence. So, All right, so folks, if you sign up for the Patreon, uh, you can ask a question, and then we'll answer a different question. Yeah, no, all we promise <laughs> is that you can ask a question. We don't promise we're going to answer your question. <laughs> this is this is just like politics 101. It's yeah. like, what are you going to do about the taxes? I'm glad you brought up health care. <laughs> <laughs> folks. <laughs> um, so, uh, with that, Chief, uh, go ahead and, and rattle us off your, your Mount Rushmore or your bucket list, and maybe these are one and the same, your your four sporting events that you would like to see. Okay, so I changed this up in the Discord a little bit because, again, I'm the, I host this podcast, so I'm going <laughs> to have that prerogative. Just keep twisting it. Right. So I think for the purpose of this question, you cannot just have um, my favorite team playing this game, my favorite team playing this game, yeah. my favorite team playing this game. Because obviously if that's the case, the answer is uh, – uh, FC Cincinnati and MLS Cup. Yeah. FC Cincinnati Club World Cup. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing in the Super Bowl. And then number four would be a debate between Xavier in the national title and the Reds in the World Series. Okay. You know, like, okay, that's, you know, yeah. it's got to be different than that. Fair. So for me, I think in terms of generalized games, yeah. number one is a Champions League final. I think yeah. it would be an awesome experience to go to that. I love going to any kind of a final where both fan bases are represented. Yeah. And it's tough in the US with a lot of the sports that like that you know you follow that like going to a Super Bowl it's kind of like a corporate activity. The yeah. majority of the people there aren't fans of either team. Yep. So it's kind of a sterile environment. It's fun to watch your team if you're yeah. in the Super Bowl, but just going to the Super Bowl in general, yeah. I don't have a lot of you know interest in. So my number one pick for this, I mean, let's go around the table and do, yeah. my number one pick is a Champions League final. That's a good one. What's your number one, Grayson? Well, so I don't like the big final kind of sporting events like the Super Bowl has never been very attractive to me because it's so like it just it's like your entire day you know and it's just like a big hassle right to get to get to the stadium to like get around the all the lines for everything are so long the traffic is terrible like I would rather watch the Super Bowl on TV yeah 100 times out of 100 than go to the Super Bowl and I also I kind of feel the same about like a like a Champions League final. Yeah. So <clears throat> so for me um probably something that's more more casual 
And so, like, I I honestly don't know. Um, segment's going great. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to do the segment because you've been going up for like two and a half fucking hours. Uh, um, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> the postcast is here to torture Grayson. That's actually why we started this. So um, entertain us, damn it! <laughs> uh, I guess I would like to go. I'd like to sit courtside at a at an NBA game. Okay, I think that's a good one. I've got a weird one. Uh, Aussie Rules Grand Final. Ah, that was my next one. Oh. That was my yeah. Any Aussie Rules football game. I don't even need to be a Grand Final. No, I'm good with anything. Collingwood. Right. Yeah. The Grand Final though. There's a crowd of like 120,000 people. It's like some of the largest stadiums on planet Earth are these hosting these. It looks incredible. Yeah, like the MCG. Yeah, yeah I've... <laughs> God damn it, that was literally what I was going to say next. I love that. I love that. Ah, that's that's such a good pick. Aussie Rules just seems like a, a vibe. Yeah. Like everything about that seems like a vibe. Uh, I'm going to go for my next pick. A USA basketball Olympics game. Ooh, okay. I like that. Go see, like, I go back in time. If you go back in time, see the Dream Team, that would be like the most incredible sporting event probably ever to see when they were like clocking teams 100 to 10. Yeah. Um, But no, USA basketball at the Olympics, all the stars together playing for their country. That's my second pick. I love that. Um, I'd like to go to the Tour de France. Ooh, yeah. The final stretch there, or you want to be like camped out on a mountain somewhere? Probably, probably on a mountain somewhere. Like it's some some place that would be nice to go. Right. Where I would like generally have a nice day. Right. And then I could walk down and like watch the cyclers go by, as cyclists go by at my leisure, and then like go back to whatever I'm doing. Like having my, you know, like going to my orchard, picking an orange, <laughs> making my fresh squeezed orange juice, having a nice little like charcuterie plate for lunch. Yeah, it's a low, it's a low impact sporting event. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, I'll, I'll go with a soccer one on here. A River Boca Super Classico. Just some of the most intense environments for a soccer match anywhere on planet Earth. I would love to experience that. It, the caveat being that, like, you're guaranteed to emerge safely from whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't or mind, do you, like, Or do you want the threat of danger the entire time? The threat of danger is nice. I wouldn't mind, like, being tear gassed, you know, if that right. was the part of the story. But, yeah, I don't want to be, like, stabbed or anything. Right. <laughs> Where are right. you going? Um, my third one will be uh, ringside at WrestleMania. Oh, that's a good one. I've already been to the Royal Rumble. I was okay. at the Royal Rumble 2001 in New Orleans. Nice. Uh, classic ladder match, Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho that they can't talk about any longer for <laughs> a number of reasons. Um, I think Triple H fought Kurt Angle as well. It was yep. great. Stone Cold wins the Rumble. Rumble is great. Ringside at WrestleMania. The, uh, the theater of the immortals. I love that. Um, I would like to go to that tournament that they, I'd like to go to the Kumite. <laughs> From Bloodsport? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go to the Kumite. It's like you... an underground, like, Yakuza party. Like, yeah. no holds barred. Yeah. You guys have like... killed each other in the yeah. rain. And you gotta have the crowd full of people all holding money and waving cash up yeah, in the yeah, air yeah, as the yeah, fight's yeah, yeah. going on. Easily yeah. the most efficient way to bet on a fight. Yeah. Is to just yeah, have you got the cash, cash right up here. Yeah. And you wave over your head. <laughs> 
I will be very boring and say a Final Four, getting both of the games of a Final Four. Obviously, I'd like my team or, or some other rooting interest there, but I think the spectacle of, of the two games is, is a lot of fun. The, you you got to go to both, though. Yes. Oh, well, you got to get the, you gotta get the strip. The and you got to stay there for the, the two games going straight through. I would way prefer that than a national title game in the basketball. I, I would love... Get the twofer? Yeah, the, the final four specifically. That's good. I love college basketball, so that's like, that's a... So I'm tempted in this last spot to do, yeah. like, Duke, North Carolina. Okay. Just go to, like, a Duke, North Carolina game, just because it's, you know... Yeah. That is... It's a good rivalry. That's, it's good rivalry. That's the other one too. Is there's there's an when the Stanley Cup is in the building for like yeah. a game seven for yeah. like a Stanley Cup final. That's electric, and plus that's also you're gonna have a home crowd for that too. Right. That okay. I'm gonna do that. Uh, game seven of a Stanley Cup final. I love that. Grayson, where are you going for your final one? Is um, there's that like Australian horse race every year. That Deadspin used to post. Um, uh, uh, Deadspin used to post uh, uh, pictures of the aftermath, and it's all a bunch of people dressed up like they're going to, you know, in their nice like derby finest. Yeah, but right. they're all just like passed out on the lawn, or, like <laughs> leaning over trash cans, or lying in like piles on top of each other. Uh, that would be fun to go to one time. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. a, it's a good it's a good vibe one. Uh, I'll be very boring and say a World Cup final. World Cup final. I think that is, of all of the events, that's the one that always feels like it has the most history and weight to it. Like, there's always, like, bad Super Bowls or blowout Super Bowls. Or you forget, like, who was in the Super Bowl right. eight years ago? But a World Cup final is, like, forever cemented in human history. It's not a bad pick either. The other one that, like, would be... If I had to like, you know, you one other one that I'm I I don't know which one I'd knock off for this. Yeah. But like I do want to be I'm a middle-aged white guy. I do want to go to the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. another one where it's like it's a it's a leisurely sporting yep. event. You get to walk around a lot. The weather's usually nice. Yep. You can figure out whether or not they're piping the bird sounds in. For, <laughs> you can't take your cell phone, so you no. have to completely disconnect while you're there, which I think is awesome. Might be the best feature yeah. of the event. Uh, cheap sandwiches. The pimento, sa- pimento and cheese sandwich, I think, is like two bucks. I think the beers are still four bucks. Yep. And then what the other thing you get to do, which I think is completely underrated, is that you get to go ham at the master's apparel shop and you can be that really annoying person that always wears the Augusta branded uh, logo stuff (laughs) because you can only buy it there. Right. And you can be the annoying person who's like, yeah, I went to Augusta, got this. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the Masters uses a lottery system to distribute tickets. Right there. Love a right lottery. There. I right love there. a lottery. I've never won the Masters lottery, and I'm never going to win the Masters lottery. <laughs> I just made peace with this. I don't know how it may be weighted in favor of certain people, but yeah. I like the idea of a lottery. I have a podcast. <laughs> don't I feel they know? Like, right? I know Big Randy. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I love I love that idea. We, we should all enter it. Uh, Away days at the Masters. <laughs> no video content because nope, we can't film there. Nope. <laughs> Smuggle we're a just, GoPro. We're, just fi- we're filming a, from the uh, the strip mall across the street because <laughs> if you don't know this, having looked at Google Street View, directly across the street from Augusta National Country Club, it looks like Beachmont Avenue. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Love a good Strode. Uh, so yeah, no, Jason, thank you so much for the question. Uh, like I said, if you subscribe, uh, look for uh, for messaging on how to submit questions going forward. And uh, yeah, again, huge thanks to everybody supporting us. Uh, is blowing my mind. So yeah, that's a show. I, that's a show. Get us out of here. Now go fuck yourself, San Diego. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can go to thepostcincy.com for our website. There you will find written content. You will find links to all of our social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we are putting up videos on YouTube as well. There's also a link to the Patreon page if you, for some reason, feel so compelled to financially support us. All of the music you've heard throughout this episode done by Jim Trace and the Makers, a local Cincinnati band that we are huge fans of. You can find more information about them down in the description of this episode. Thank you to all of our sponsors who have helped put this together. And thank you again so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed anything else that we've done, please like us wherever you may find us, leave a good review, or better yet, Share this podcast with a friend, with somebody that you think would enjoy what we're doing. That is the best way we can grow. Please spread the word. And finally, if you are so inclined, please join the Discord server. That is where we are spending a lot of our time online. We've got a nice community there just talking about FC Cincinnati, local Cincinnati issues, and literally everything else, uh, especially related to soccer but also definitely not just soccer. So if you want to come hang out with a, a, a lovely group of people, uh, that is the best place to do that. And again, the link down in the description of this episode or on the website. And again, just thank you so much for listening.